Hello and welcome to The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the casual spike focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies in modern. My name is Stanislav here in Chicago, and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's the one and only Shane Beeps. Oh yeah, brother, looking at you in that sweet Hulkamania tank. Yes, the listener can't see this, but I'm only wearing a tank top, and it's very yellow. When it's you and me in the squared circle, Stanislav, oh yeah, brother. Thanks, Randy. Also with us here in Chicago, it's the godfather, Dave Harburger. This week, I am only the father of crying babies and slow plays. <laughs> Last but not least, it's the warden, Zach Colhan. Hey, everybody. I hope you had a good holiday weekend. I had a lot of fun, and it's really cool to be recording on like a vacation Monday. You have so much prep time today. Yeah, it was great. On this week's show, we're trying something new. We're doing a set review of Modern Horizons. So between this week and next week, we are going through every single card in Modern Horizons using our patented Sleeve Believe Heave grading system. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. This is really one of the only chances we're going to have to review an entire set that is ostensibly designed for Modern. So we got to do a full set review. Yeah, but in the interest of time, we're going to skip the breakdown this week. Uh, do we have to? Well, if we were going to talk about anything, it would have been SCG Louisville. But we're not talking about SCG Louisville, so just pretend I didn't say anything. Also, don't pre- pretend that we didn't say that Dredge won. <laughs> and pretend we didn't say that there was no Tron. And... Uh... Pretend that we didn't say that blue-white control looked pretty good, but didn't quite get there to the top of the heap. Yeah, so pretend we didn't say all of that as we go into housekeeping. Shout out to the newest Dive Down patrons, Kiowa, Joseph, Zanman, Clay, Rob, and Daniel. Thank you all so much for joining the Dive Down Nation. If you'd like to support the Dive Down via Patreon, you can check us out at patreon.com slash thedivedown, all one word. Also, thanks to Little War Master for the friendly iTunes review. We appreciate it very much. Yeah, guys, we are we are inching closer to our next stretch goal of our custom tokens. So, looking forward to getting there. Um, continuing to enjoy talking to all our patrons on the Slack. It's been awesome to have a lot of spoiler conversation there, and some brew conversations happening in the brew channel of new decks with some of the new cards. So. If you're not already a patron uh, and you like the you like the pod, come on over to our patron page. See what kind of tier benefits we have to hand out to you already. See kind of the stretch goals we're working towards. See some of the proxy sleeves that Dave's developing for future development. So it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, so get on over there. Support us. We appreciate it. That being said, let's dive right in. It's set review time, guys. Yes. I'm terrified, but let's let's do this. So we're going through all the cards that are known to us on Monday, May 27th. Yeah, early evening. So it's a little less than about half the set by my count. And we're going to be really snappy. So some cards we might chat about, but a fair amount of them, we're just going to run through them with our quick Sleeve Believe Heave It assessment. We are going to use, as Stan mentioned, the uh, Sleeve It, Believe It, Dive Down Patented. The di- it's wait 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 that's not communal IP that's not a communal IP no this is this is a Godfather Industries IP oh sorry I'm, I'm sorry I'm, to I'm, steal I'm, that I'm from licensing you, it I'm licensing it to you guys for exclusive use right he now. he wants to save it for the T-shirts 
Yeah. I mean, I, I own all the merchandising rights for Dive Down LLC. I'm just Man, licensing I should have read any contract before I signed on. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's, uh, it just had to be done. Yeah. Um, so just as a reminder, much like on our decks, uh, deck reviews, sleeve it means we think this card is definitely going to be played, and we are excited to play it. Believe it means eh, we think it might get there, and um, we're keeping an eye on it. And heave it means uh, move along. These aren't the modern playable cards you're looking for. Exactly. So with that being said... All right, let's start with number one. Morphon the Boundless. So we all, we all are heaving this card. All four of us in unison in one chorus voice. Heave it. Heave it. Just EDH fodder. Heave it. Stan, uh, Zach, why don't you read the next one since you seem to like it? Astral Drift is a, a white enchantment, two and a white. When you cycle Astral Drift or cycle another card while Astral Drift is on the battlefield... You may exile target creature. If you do, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. And it has cycling for two and a white. So why do you like this one so much? I just think that uh, enter the battlefield effects or ETB effects are very abusable and modern. I used to run a Eldrazi Displacer deck back in the day to pretty okay success online. And I think anything that makes this better and opens up this design space is cool. Plus, cycling is a mechanic that can really appear almost anywhere because of how evergreen it is. So we saw it in Amonkhet, but there's nothing stopping another block from having it. I feel like this just takes a lot of setup, and the cost sure. the cost for Astral Drift itself is just a little high. Like, you're taking turn three off to do essentially stone nothing. I'm closer to heave on this myself. I have a believe right now, but I'm closer to heave. I'm unbelieve it, but I also think it's too expensive. I think it's just a cool, high potential, rep- uh, you know, functional reprint of a classic magic card. It has cycling itself, so it's a little better, right? Yeah, it definitely. I'm on heave it. I think it's pretty <gasps> bad against non-creature decks and too slow against creature decks. I'm not feeling it just yet. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's got potential. I think it's a little slow. Let's go into Battle Screech. So this is two white white for a sorcery create two one one white bird creature tokens with flying flashback tap three untap white creatures you control so then you exile the card after flashback blah 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 so i'm somewhat of a believer on this people seem higher on this than i do i think it's pretty slow even with a potentially free flashback you you still paid two white white for four one ones so i mean Everyone keeps looking for stuff to make blue, black white tokens a good deck, and they, especially in this set, they keep looking for things that are going to make. There's a make lot black of pieces white. that do that for sure. Yeah, and I think people really want it to be better. I'm just kind of to be convinced that black white tokens can really be a decent deck in modern again, if it ever was. Yeah, I agree. I think that this card is a this is a believe it for me. So it's in the middle. Um, I kind of feel like this is the the card that since it is a free. Uh, flashback cost that's probably the place where it would be the most useful is in a deck that figures out how to get this into the graveyard so that you can occasionally benefit from playing it for free instead of just playing the two white white so um i think there's a lot of kind of ground to cover there but uh i i have an eye on it same i I think it's believable because that free flashback is interesting but paying four mana is not great for this effect so i'm not ready to sleep it just yet yeah, I totally agree. And I just want to point out, uh, in case anybody's not aware, when we say free, we don't mean that it has no cost at all. We mean it doesn't cost any mana. So it's tapping creatures or sacrificing something or whatever it may be. You're not putting mana resources towards it when we say free. Because we're going to use that a lot, I think, during this discussion. 
Cool. So let's move on to dismantling blow. Dismantling blow. Let's move fast. Dismantling blow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I won't read this one, but um, I think we all have this as a as a heave it, except for Zach. It's, it's card advantage. We talked about that last week. That's good. I could. I, I don't think it's impossible to seize no play, but I want to point out that I'm acknowledging I know what card advantage is. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting to have a disenchant attached to draw two cards, but it, it costs six when you get there, so that, that makes it Six and two colors, so yeah. The next one is Force of Virtue, the first card in this force cycle that we'll be talking about today. It is two white-white for an enchantment. If it's not your turn, you may exile a white card from your hand rather than pay the spell's mana cost. It has flash. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And I will go on the record as a heave-it. I don't think there's a deck in modern currently that really wants this card, and I don't think anthem effects are what a new deck need to emerge. I'm going to be a believe-it just because I think that a quote-unquote free spell is always worth testing at least. And black-white tokens, as we're going to mention, I think a few times, or at least I'm going to, is a deck that I think can use this to have a more aggressive strategy. So on the fringe, but I think I'm believing it still. I'm almost a believer. I think it has to have a really good setup in order to be worth it. And that's almost like a combo deck, right? Like your setup for the first three or four turns has to be really ideal. Like what you're hoping to cast a spectral procession on turn three, which also requires you having three white mana on your first three turns. And then on turn three, you end of turn flash this in and go down an extra card. I'm nearly a heave on this because compared to some of the other forces that we'll see, I think this is underpowered compared to it. And I'm, Kind of grumpy this card exists. I don't think it's good enough. Uh, I'm a believe it. I keep finding myself randomly getting in like arguments about if this card is playable or not. <laughs> Somehow finding myself defending it. I, I think it's a very like niche card that maybe could give some decks an explosive start, but I don't think it's guaranteed to do anything. Fair enough. So next we have Generous Gift, which is a color-shifted white version of Beast Within which is a, a fringe modern playable card. I personally am going to sleeve this. I like Beast Within, and I have played it in plenty of sideboard and enjoyed it. I know that it's not for everybody, but hey. Can you explain what that card does? So Generous Gift and Beast Within by proxy are destroy target permanent. Its controller creates a 3-3 green elephant creature. Beast Within creates a 3-3 beast, so there's a slight discrepancy there, but the idea is you can destroy a permanent and its owner gets a 3-3 creature out of it. So it's good in getting rid of problem things like planeswalkers or enchantments or lands even. You could even use this on your own permanent to save it from a removal spell. I have done that before. I've done that in one with the beast token I made. So hey. What do you think, Dave? Um, this is definitely on Believe It for me. I, I think it's a utility card. I think it's something that gives white the ability to deal with any permanent, including a land, strangely, which is something that white doesn't necessarily have a lot of access to. So I think it's pretty expensive, but like Zach said, Beast Within pops up occasionally, and I think this card could occasionally as well. I mean, I think it pops up in decks that need to remove a problem permanent permanent in order to like get a combo off, or you know what, you're shaking your head? I, I think... Um, I see it most in mid-range value decks. That's where I ran it, and that's where I see it. I just don't think that... I think this is too expensive. Two and a white. I mean, I don't care that it can handle any permanent. It might see some sideboard play sometimes. I think it's a heave it. I'm a believer, too. Uh, but I think because I I can see this in some sideboards, and to be honest, I really like this for Martyr Proc. Ooh, I didn't think about that. Martyr Proc actually got a lot of cards with this, in my opinion. Yeah. So... 
Next up, we have Giver of Runes, a single white mana for a core cleric. Uh, tap, another target creature you control gains protection from colorless or from the color of your choice until end of turn for a 1-2. So, personally, I don't think this is anywhere near as good as uh, Mother of Runes, which is kind of the card it's emulating, because what Mother of Runes does is cause a play pattern that's very different, because Mother of Runes can protect herself which then makes the opponent waste removal targeting Mother of Runes and then targeting the thing they actually want to kill. And so this card just really generates a one-for-one scenario where they have to target Giver of Runes, which so it's not really actively bad, but it's certainly no Mother of Runes. So I have to believe it. Yeah, I totally agree. I had to reread this card recently to realize that um, Mother of... I had forgotten that Mother of Runes can target itself which yeah. seems totally bizarre at this point, but explains why that was a very good card. I believe it. Probably not a four of in any decks. I don't see this being a staple of the format, but the effect is powerful, and I won't be surprised to see it start popping up in some lists. Yeah, I agree. I- I'm just going to go with the meta knowledge that I don't think they would want to make a Mother of Runes replacement that didn't see play, so I'm going to believe that this will because they wanted it to. We're going to talk about that with a couple of cards through the night, I think. I am decently in on uh, observations like that, so I guess we'll see. So, uh, Imposter of the, Pro- of the Sixth Pride, we will be skipping. It's limited fodder. We're going to skip King of the Pride. I mean, a Cat Lord is pretty cool, but we don't think that's really playable, especially for three. Martyr Soul is interesting. It's a Convoke card that lets you, that gets some extra tokens if you bring it into play with no lands tapped. I think all of us think that's a heave, except for our friend Shane. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. It's a free spell. Free spells are free. You're taking time off to make only a decently costed body. It has no abilities, has no evasion, has no ETB effect besides putting more counters on it. So it's probably a heave, but I can see it maybe popping up here and there. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the next card, though, which is Ranger Captain of Eos, which is one white white for a human soldier. It's a 3-3, so it's a 3-3 for 3. And it, the text says, when Ranger Captain of Eos enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost one or less, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. Then there's a second paragraph that says, sacrifice Ranger Captain of Eos. Your opponents can't cast non-creature spells this turn. Woo-hee! Yeah, that, a lot that's, of card text on this one. Yeah, that <laughs> second, the second bit is the really hard to analyze stuff, but yeah. let's talk so about the first part. I don't here's think it's that hard to really analyze. Quick. That second bit is crazy good. I think it's not as good as people think it is. So, but let's talk about this. So the first thing I would say is this is the first card in the set that all of us have as a sleeve it. All four of us think this card will see play for sure. Um, I think it's difficult to know exactly what deck it goes in. Some people love it to go into martyr proc where Ranger VO sometimes gets some play right now to get some of the powerful one drops out of that and including a martyr itself. I think that some people like cards like this in something like Death Shadow, although, you know, Ranger Vios is maybe a little better in Death Shadow splashing for card advantage because you can get two Death Shadows with it instead yes. of just one. Um, I do think that it, it just on its face, this is a really, really powerful card. And um, being able to get a utility creature, or maybe you get a Giver of Runes even or something like that, if that turns out to be playable, are, are all good things. So what do, what do you guys think about that, that big uh, first paragraph? It's designed to see some play clearly, right? Like, it's it comes down a turn faster than Ranger of Eos, which is a card that feels pretty slow when you actually play it. I've cast a few Ranger of Eos, and it definitely feels fairly glacier-paced. 
Um, but this, you only get a single creature out of the deal. Yeah. It's also a 3-3, three, three, where the other one's a 3-2, I believe. Correct. Yeah. People are talking about this in humans, where, you <laughs> know, they well, like people are saying that it doesn't like you know the the power of a somewhat late champion of the parish is nothing as bad. No, we talked no, about no, the episode. It, it's no, not that it, good. It can you know it's it's not as bad as nothing though because it can quickly grow back and be kind of out of hand. I don't know. There's no one drops right now to make me worry about it. I think in the future maybe a one drop in humans will be printed that makes this more functional in that deck. But if they're tutoring up their mana dork or their other one one little weenie, I'm fine with it. Yeah, that, I don't see that. That doesn't make sense to me either. Do you think this is better than Ranger and Soul Sisters, Zach? I mean, isn't I, the two one-mana creatures I, just better? I do. As someone who's played a ton of mid-range in their day, four mana is way different than three. And you yeah. get stuck on three mana quite a bit. And there have been times, even in Scred, where you run mana rocks and a ton of lands where you're stuck on three and you're staring at those four drops just hating it. So I think that one less mana is enormous. Yeah, because then it gets it gets your one drop down on turn four instead of turn five too. And even there's a world where you play this on turn three, tutor something up, and then play another one on turn four. Either play what you grabbed or play what you grabbed the second time. Yeah, I still kind of feel like the marquee one drop that goes with this card, weirdly enough, is Death Shadow, which it would be so hard there's to splash. Too white this. in this mana cost exactly, Dave. but that's what I mean. Like <laughs> I, I don't know how those fit together. It would be really hard to cast this card out of Death Shadow. Um, it would, you'd have to redo the whole deck, but yeah, a final thought of mine is I really like the art, the artist, they had a little interview with them and he said this piece took a very long time because all the medallions on it. So <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the second paragraph now. So just as a reminder, the sacrifice ability is your opponents can't cast non-creature spells this turn. So I think on his face, it looks kind of like a protection ability, but the thing that I just want to mention here is that it's not like you can sacrifice this in response to someone casting a, to someone casting a spell, right? Yeah, you, you basically you have, have to, to cash it in like on the upkeep or at the end of their draw step. And they can, st- and they can still cast it. Well, they can still cast instance is the thing. Yes. Yeah, in response, yeah. So what this really protects you against are sorceries or other non-creature spells because it really doesn't do anything against instance. So I think you have to kind of like be careful about your your enthusiasm in that way it's Um, a go ahead it's good against board wipes right yeah i think it's good against board wipes that's a great point if you're a go wide deck that carry that has this card in it you're going into turn four you can you know sacrifice this so that someone can't supreme verdict you yeah assuming they have it i think it's also good against interactive spells you crack this at the upkeeper draw step and then whatever you cast you know that your opponent can't counter it or destroy something in response Right, so that's if you wanted protection for one of your spells to do something with, right? That that makes a ton of sense to me, too. Um, the other thing here is that imagine this... Well, I mean, this isn't like the best use of it, but you can keep people from, for example, casting a turn three Karn with it because they can't cast their... They can't cast... Um, you know, any non-creature spells that covers artifacts. So if you're against someone and you know that they have Mycosynth Lattice in their hand because they got Karn down a turn before you, you can sacrifice this so that you can buy yourself one more turn. And maybe you're in a deck that's aggressive enough that that matters. Yeah, but so you, you spent turn three playing a 3-3 three, three to tutor up a one drop that you're then going to sacrifice a 3-3 three, three in the next turn just to slow your opponent down a turn? That seems if you have pretty to. bad. I think that's called card advantage, baby. Hmm. I, I think know, that's seems, called utility, baby. Yeah. Why not both? It seems marginal, but I think it's still a sleeve it. Sure. 
Yeah, the other thing we're not talking about is it can also shut your opponent off from nonsense combo plays, you know, against a deck like Storm or, you know, Ad Nauseam can win an instant speed, but Storm cannot. So I think this has a lot of utility, and that's why I was asleep it. It can do different things against different matchups. Agree. All right, we got to move on. Stan, take us to the next. So this is another card that we're all going to heave, and that's Segovian Angel. Not really strong enough for modern. Yeah, except for I, I just imagine Zach somewhere crying about where's my one-drop dragon when he <laughs> saw this card. Uh, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, ugh, I don't want to talk about it. Fair. The next one, we're also all on heave, except Zach is a little unsure, and that's Sarah the Benevolent, the four-mana planeswalker that they announced when they announced Modern Horizons. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see I have a sideboard somewhere, but I'm not hot on it. I want to talk a little bit, actually, why we're going to heave it, um, while I'm heaving it at least. I think people want to believe this for maybe something like Spirits, but I think that you can't just can't warrant playing a card like this, because even if this does anything, like the plus two gives all creatures with flying plus one, plus one till end of turn, it's really just a win more. If you have the board where you have a bunch of spirits down, you're not going to need this to be your four drop. You'd rather maybe play a couple two drops to get some similar Lord effects or some protection effects from like a selfless spirit or something like that. So it doesn't catch you up when you're behind. Like if you just come down and minus three it to make a Sarah angel, that's a really bad rate in, in modern these days. So I just think it doesn't do enough in enough situations to be worth a four mana playing like cost. Yeah. I mean, the only place that I could possibly see this fitting is in like blue white control as your fifth celestial colonnade. If you wanted that for some reason, not saying you do, but if you wanted that so a card where you thought you might be able to protect it and get two Sarah Angels out of it for four mana over a few turns, maybe. Next one is another heavable card. That's Cisse, Weatherlight Captain. None of us are liking this for modern. Same goes for Splicer Skill. Again, Zach is our outlier. And Splicer Skill is two and a white sorcery, create a three three colorless golem artifacts creature token. And it has splice in, onto instant or sorcery for three and a white. Yeah, I think if you can, if the way it works, where if you splice it onto a board wipe and give the creature after rip the board, it may be good in the control matchup, but eh. I mean, you still have to pay the cost of this spell, which is like four mana. Eh. <laughs> I feel like the splice cost should be less because it requires eh. setup, right? Next card. Another heavable card, Wall of 1,000 Cuts. Cool uh, to see this in modern, but not ever actually going to see this in modern. Nice callback. Finally, here's one we can talk about. It's Winds of Abandon. One white sorcery. Exile target creature you don't control. For each creature exiled this way, its controller searches their library for a basic land. Those players put those cards onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle their libraries. Overload for white white. When you pay its overload cost it hits each creature rather than target creature. Yeah, the, the templating on this card is really challenging to read. Yeah. O- overload cards are very difficult to write, and this is no exception. So I'm a believer. I kind of like this. Uh, the fact that it exiles a board, I think, is what makes it promising. It seems potentially risky because the opponent is likely to only draw gas after this. But at the same time, there tend to be relatively fewer basic lands in modern decks. So it's hard to evaluate, I think, on its face, but I see a lot of potential in this. Yeah, this is very good versus humans and Death Shadow, who run like three 
or two to three basic lands. So a, a board wipe that just totally wrecks them seems very cool for me. I mean, my take on this card is that it's sort of like a car, or like a wrath that has cycling, right? Like it has an out where if you are having mana troubles or something, you can use it as a piece of spot removal, but then you have the option to build it all the way up into a plague wind. And I think that there is something to be said for that. Um, maybe in decks or metagames where there's a lot of humans and you want to run this as as a, one of your one-of wrath options in a control deck, I think it's possible. I think it's, like I said, I think it's nice that sometimes you can bail out and just use it to get rid of one problematic card. Um, but I'm very much a believer in this. It's not going to be a staple. I think this is a heave. I don't think this is for modern. I think white-based control decks already have their Wraths at four and their Path Effects at one. I think this is really an EDH card where you know you can easily get up to the six mana required to do the overload cost and then you just destroy all your opponent's boards. I think that's what it's designed for. I just I, I understand what you're saying with the flexibility there, Dave, and the kind of the two mana out, but I don't think it gets there, especially at Sorcery. So... Moving forward, Wing Shards, I think we are all heaves on, or non-believers. I don't know what deck wants this card. Same for Zelfir and Decoy. It seems neat. I like that there's a Zebra with a Unicorn Horn, but beyond that, no. I like that you but, said Zelfirin so effortlessly. Yeah, oh well yeah, done. come on. Well done. Uh, next, we have some real meat right here with Archmage's Charm. Three blue for an instant. Choose one. Counter target spell. Target player draws two cards. Or gain control of target non-land permanent with converted mana cost one or less. So I am not personally going to sleeve this card, but I certainly believe it. Three blue is apparently not that hard to get with how often I see Cryptic Command running around. And these are three pretty powerful abilities. Be still my heart. This is a stand card if I've ever seen a stand card. And I think I'm buying a playset just out the gate. Nice. So I really like this for Blue Moon or Kiki Jiki decks. I think the secret is actually never really holding it. And the way I see myself trying it at first is holding up three mana and either countering something. And if my opponent does nothing, cashing it in right away to get through the deck. I think unlike Cryptic Command, which is a card you can hold on to since it has so much utility and so many different modes that you can find combinations for, because this only has the one ability, being able to either have an answer for your opponent or something to do with your mana if they don't present any spells or threats seems like a win me win-win for me stan i hate to be disagreeable I no you don't that's not true yeah what do you say <laughs> so you're aware that this card has a three blue casting cost and kiki jiki has a three red casting cost yes correct? and like, that's not really an issue when you have spells that cast for red and blue no i'm saying so to to be able to cast this reliably you have to have like frank carson math here you have to have 22 blue sources okay to put this in perspective blue white control right now runs about 18 blue sources that's including the fetch lands and such and so you know i was originally a lot higher on this card i was like oh man blue got another awesome modal card and i was you know heavy into sleeve but after looking at it and thinking about it a little bit more i'm more on the believe end of things i think it's just pretty darn good so I think each of the abilities on this card are a little bit below rate. So we've got like a three mana counter spell. People aren't really running cancel. People aren't really running divination, a three mana draw two. People aren't really really running threads of disloyalty. And this is worse than that. So, you know, perhaps the flexibility is what people are really hyped about. And 
flexibility is something valuable, but I also think it's somewhat overrated in modern. It's not like that many modal spells see play just because they're modal. And I think the last ability is actually the, the one I'm mostly interested in, but we'll see if it's worth three mana in kind of this modal spell shell. Well, I kind of hated everything that you said until you got to your last sentence. <laughs> hated everything. Brutal. I'm much, I'm much more in Stan, Stan's camp on this. I think when you say um, people don't run modal spells just because you're because they're modal, I'd like to introduce you to my friend Coligan's command, mm-hmm. which is what's well, a really good modal spell. Well, I happen to think that this is a really good modal modal spell too, <laughs> and you do often pay above rate for for effects in modal spells. Now, the command seer cycles, of course, are always pick two, and this. This one is just pick one and it's expensive in that way i mean yeah. yeah like you said nobody's running i mean people do run esper charm now right people do run um occasionally they run like some of the other charms or things like that <clears throat> i also think it's interesting that you say that people don't run divination but they do run hieroglyphic illumination which is just divination at instant speed for one but it more. cycles you know, man, people are all over the fact that it cycles, but I really, in my experience, have not found that that's that big of a deal. And I think that it's honestly, it's helpful, but it's never, um, it's only a one of, so it's not like your plan rests on cycling from that. The other yeah. thing I would say too is people used to run Glimmer of Genius before hieroglyphic <laughs> elimination existed, but they were even running it in modern. And all that that does is scry to, withdraw, you know, scry to draw to, and it's still for mana and gave you two energy, which is like, you're not going to use that in blue eye control, of course. Um, so I think that really drawing off, you know, paying three to draw two at instant speed is actually a pretty good rate. Um, and having the option to use that to do that or to counter is really um, excellent as well. But I think the real thing here is the last mode, like you said at the end of your 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 statement, which was um, your statement, your screed your against, against Archmage's Charm. I mean, I think that people are constantly underestimate how many one mana permanents there are floating around in death yeah. modern all the time. I mean, yeah. I mean, death shadow is a great one, Zach. I mean, there's aether vial death shadow, uh, amulet of vigor. There's goblin guide. There's, uh, you so know, steal someone's gigantic champion of the parish champion of the parish. Yeah, exactly. And some of those you get a good benefit out of, and some of them you don't, but I think that people running Kaya and modern has shown us that there's enough targets for one CMC stuff to make this really, uh, worth a uh, long look. I, I have two closing thoughts on this. I think that it's not strictly better than Threads of the Loyalty because Threads of the Loyalty is an enchantment that can be blown up and they can get it back. And, and it's not an instant. For... Also, yeah, and Threads of the Loyalty is, I know it's a higher mana cost, please don't at me, but it, this is permanent. And finally, I do think that Kiki Moon kiki jiki can run this that deck but it can't be kiki moon when it does because you have to run more dual lands and we're going to talk about one of those in specific but i think that it can run this and kiki jiki but it does have to change the deck to do so yeah that's not the shell i'm thinking about it about this for to be totally upfront. i think this is like blue base control maybe mono blue control somehow becomes a thing but i i'm a little skeptical of where stan wants to slot it in but stan loves blue moon kiki jiki so i, I could see it working too oh i'll make it work you best believe. Shane, you go. Moving down. We have Bizarre Trade Mage. Two and a blue for a human wizard with flying. When Bizarre Trade Mage enters the battlefield, draw two cards, then discard three cards. He's a 3-4. So this is good. I'm a believer. It's got a good rate. Has evasion. Is a human. Is a wizard. Has a good ETB effect that we know can support busted or just powerful things. So why not? Yeah, Sustained. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. Yeah, we like it. It's unclear where it goes, but I just think it's sort of like that's what it is. 
I honestly think I kind of like it more than Terramander and Phoenix, even though I'm not necessarily convinced it belongs in Phoenix, but being able to do the Phoenix plan makes it a little more interesting to me than Terramander was when it first came out. Yeah. I got a deck for you for this card. Bridgevine. Next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to skip over Chiller Pillar, which has an excellent name, but he is not the guy for modern. Oh. Um, we're going to skip over Choking Tethers and Exclude as well. I think those are all Heavits. And we're going to come right up to Fact or Fiction. So I'm going to read it once I get it opened. Factor Fishin is an instant. It costs three colorless and a blue. And it says, reveal the top five cards of your library. An opponent separates those cards into two piles. Put one pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. And that's it. So I have this as, as a sleeve it. I think it's a little bit of nostalgia because I definitely played back when Factor Fiction was dominating standard at the time in, I don't know, 1999 maybe or 2000 when this card was actually printed, maybe a little later. And... um. I really want this card to be good. I'm going to try it in blue-white. I just I don't know for sure that it is going to be good, but I really, really want it to, so I gave it a sleeve it. I'm a believer, and I just want to point out that I have said when Absorb came out that Invasion, the set, is a really good one to look for for future cards. I don't know. I, I just love Invasion cards in general. I'm not surprised to see another one enter Modern. I don't know where this is going to go, but the fact that it's instant speed makes it seem very playable. I'm still a believer because I'm not sure where it belongs, but I'm not going to be surprised if I end up sleeving it myself. I mean, I've already heard, this is just me quoting people who are smarter than myself, but like Jerry and Brian on Arena Decklist podcast, we're just already talking about how this card doesn't even seem that great anymore. I'm not, I'm not really sure what this card's doing for you right now. Like, what's it replacing? Hieroglyphic um, Illumination. But it's still, I don't know. But it's it just like cycle, why, Dave. Why give why give the opponent choice? Do you know what I mean? And like and like you said, the the out of hieroglyphics the hieroglyphic illumination is kind of what makes it valuable. Is you don't have to cast it early. You can just get rid of it. You know, you can just get rid of it early. You don't have to cast it late. Yeah. Although I what I did say was that that's not as good as people think it is. Mm. It's it's good. The cycling thing is great to have, but it's not. Um, no, no. I meant like when you, when you talked about kind of like the the wrath, like the the white wrath. Um, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. With overload, it's like I mean, yeah. I, I just don't think having the early out, having the early out can be valuable for sure. I mean, I don't know. Factor fiction. I'm a believer. It'll probably see some play, maybe just more experimentation than than value over time, though. So force of negation. All four of us are on sleeve it, but we're not going to talk about it because we talked about it last week. We like this card. Free counter spells seem good. We're going to skip mana war. We like this card. We like Marshall Sutcliffe. We do not love this for modern. Pondering mage. All of us had this on heave it. Not impressed. I personally am really not impressed with that stupid name, but some people like that more than I do. <laughs> this this card upsets me. Like the fact let's, that this card exists just upsets me so much. I'm like I'm I'm if we had talked about all the Heavits, you would just see me getting more and more frustrated with the power level of this set being much lower than I kind of anticipated or hoped. Shane, I'm ready to make you feel a little better. Let's talk about prohibit. Okay. One in a blue. Instant. Counter target spell if its converted mana cost is two or less. It also has Kicker, too. If this spell was kicked, counter that spell if its converted mana cost is four or less instead. What do you think, Stan? Heave it. I actually think this card looks really bad, especially on the draw. And we have better options in that position. I'll gladly play it if I'm wrong, but I actually think this card is just a liability. 
I just don't see the tempo here. Like, I don't see any tempo positive play you can make. You know, you're just exactly. a parody. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing that this is, is that it's parody for for two mana, where, you know, there's so many spells that are two CMC, one CMC, or zero CMC in modern that it's got a maybe next to it, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. It's cool that it's or less. That's all I'll say. Yeah. It's not uh, CMC two, CMC four. It's that or less. So that's worth noting. Yeah. I have this as believe, but I'm going to switch to a heave. Welcome to the dark side. Yeah, I'm definitely believe minus on this card. (laughs) So next, we're going to skip over some cards real quick. We're going to not talk about Scuttling Sliver, Spell Snuff, Stream of Thought, or String of Disappearance. Or Scour scour of Possibilities. Uh, Yep, that one either. My apologies. That's okay. There's just so many cards that we don't want to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Sad. That's okay. These are a bunch of commons and uncommons that are like fun, Johnny, limited stuff. Have a good time playing them. Yeah, it's not all cards for every player, right? And we're talking about cards that are for casual-minded spikes in modern. Yeah, I think it's maybe a good time to talk about it, right? Is like, if they made a really killer limited set and, you know, looks pretty rad so far, a really killer limited set is a great thing for magic in general. And it doesn't have to be every dang card is going right into modern like I'd love. But I think just appreciating a great limited environment is part of being a Magic fan. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to a very powerful Magic card. When I saw this, I, I honestly thought it was fake at first. But it is not. It is a real Magic card. We are talking about Urza, Lord High Artificer. Two and two blue, legendary creature, human artificer. It is a 1-4. When Urza, Lord High Artificer, enters the battlefield, create a 0-0 colorless construct artifact creature token. With, this creature gets plus 1, plus 1 for each artifact you control. So those are the Karnstructs. That's what uh, Karn uh, creates from Dominaria. <laughs> the Karnstructs. <laughs> exactly. We have the second of three abilities. Tap an untapped artifact you control at a blue mana, which is Tolarian Academy. And then five mana. Shuffle your library, then exile the top card until end of turn. You may play that card without paying its mana cost. This card is nonsense. <laughs> I am not going to sleeve this card, but it is going to get sleeved. It's going to get sleeved immediately in Thopter Foundry Condo, and I'm going to lose because of that. I'm going to have them locked out in the mirror, but not have them on four with a chalice, and they're going to play this, and they're going to win. It's going to be upsetting. Yeah, they draw their whole deck, gain infinite life, make infinite thopters, cast yeah, the whole deck. Yeah, seems cool. Seems fair. Seems fun. Someone's going to have to <laughs> teach me how to play this card. That's, there's so many options here. There's so much value going on. That <laughs> it's, it's like just teaching like, my well, grandpa to send an email. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's there's a, a Sam Black already wrote an article like messing with like seven different shells using Urza, <laughs> including ones using like the probably should have been banned Scrap Trawler. Yeah, he talked about it on on Pro Points this week too. So it was interesting mm. to hear him talking about where Oof. you know where that's going to go. It just seems super powerful. I mean, it, it dies to some removal, but it was. I'm I'm so glad they left it outside a lightning bolt range. <laughs> Thanks. So can I express a concern with you guys? That if you must. Here's another card that we're all on sleeve it, and it is a mythic rare. And in a in a product that's going to be what seven eight dollar booster packs if not more, six. This this card is pre selling for eighty dollars yeah. from certain vendors right now. By the way, yeah, I think that's something we were concerned about. 
it's unfortunate to see that that may be coming true, that the mythics in the set, if they are in fact modern playable, might cost a pretty penny. That's yeah. fair. The, the MSRP is $6, and it is a print-to-demand set, so it shouldn't get much higher than 6 Nice. So yeah, if you crack this card, hold on to it. It's probably going to see modern play. Oh, good lord, don't trade this card. Maybe trade it for a card that uh, will let you play the deck you want to play, but this looks really strong. I will say, by the way, that this this is not a card for me. As much as I love to cast blue spells, I feel like this is definitely something else. This is a combo player's card. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I'm going to audible. We skipped one card that I think a couple of us have something to say in the stream of thought. And so stream of thought is a blue sorcery, single blue. Target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. You shuffle up to four cards from your graveyard into your library. It also has replicate, two blue, blue. And replicate reads, when you cast this spell, copy it for each time you paid its replicate cost. You may choose new targets for the copies. So I don't think the replicate has much to do with why I'm a believer of this card. Um, so, But hear me out here. So the main thing I'm so looking I- at... I cannot wait to hear you out here. Why did you take <clears throat> us back to this garbage? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little upset. I'm trying to be snappy, and you're weighing me down. So hold on. So hear me out. Okay, so the main thing I'm looking at here is that it fills the graveyard really quickly. More quickly than Thought Scour, which gives you three cards in the yard. I, I get, I get, I get it, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't replace itself, but you can on turn one have five cards in your graveyard. Six with the fetch land, seven with the bauble, Mishra's bauble. You know, that Eight is with not bad. Wraith. <laughs> that's not a bad thing Scree, for Wraith. some decks that run blue. So I don't think it's amazing, but I think it has some playability. I Just got, for Delve. I got to say, Shane, I was going to heave it until I read your assessment, and I am buying it. I think mm. that the overload cost, or I'm sorry, I think that the replicate cost is essentially flavor text. I don't really see that ever coming in handy. But it was easy for me at first to just see this as a mill card, but being able to target yourself and doing maybe some kind of Gurmog Angler thing, I actually kind of like it. You guys, come on. This is insane. There's already a card that's better than this if you if that was actually good. Yeah, you're right. What is it? There's Which a, one? Which one? It's called Tome Scour. It, it costs yeah, one that's... blue and it's its target player puts five cards into their into their graveyard. So if if your theory was correct people would be thinking about playing Tome, Sc- Tome Scour, which is like okay. M14 draft garbage. But you, you do get the added benefit of the four cards going back into your library for some reason. Come I'm not on. Look, look, this, on this turn, is not You good. just talked about it going on turn one. Okay, I know. Okay, you are okay, insane. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's God, move on. I just want to acknowledge it. I just want this to is garbage. It. Let's talk about some more garbage. Okay. Dave. Actually, uh, Shane, you're up next. Oh, no, yeah. I, I guess you went. Yes, I went. Oh, did you I, read I, I, I threw away Cabal Therapist. Oh, okay. So I guess since Shane wanted to talk about Tome, Sc- or Tome Scour's reprint, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to read Cabal Therapist, which is one black. This is one of the preview cards from the original Modern Horizon uh, preview. Uh, it is a 1-1 horror. It has Menace. And at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may sacrifice a creature. When you do, choose a non-land card name. Then target player reveals their hand and discards all cards with that name. This is a weird card. Yeah. It is a callback, of course, to Cabal Therapy, which is like, okay, cute name, love the callback, powerful card. Um, I have this as a sleeve it because I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't have let off their modern 
uh, Modern Horizons previews with two cards that they thought were not going to be played. The other one being Sarah the Benevolent. So um, I, I do I have a hard time figuring out what shell this is going to go in, but I do think that this is a card that's powerful, especially when compared with, when paired with things like uh, Thoughtseize and Inquisition of Kozilek to do that kind of like insidious thing where we um, we pop out a couple of creatures, we thought we thought see somebody, and then we know what's in our opponent's hand, and we get extra cards off of it. Here's my issue with that play pattern, though, Dave. Well, I want that to work really well, but I don't really get how you sequence your cards in order to really take advantage of this with any kind of efficiency. So, like, you can't even, you know, even if you play this turn one, right, you can't then cast a turn two Inquisition or Thoughtseize, see their hand, and then sacrifice Cabal Therapist because it happens at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase. And so, like, when the heck are going to use this ability, like, turn three like maybe yeah. in game maybe in game two and three when you know the deck and it's like a combo deck or something like that you can then pop this even earlier to do like a thought effect but isn't thought just enough for me there yeah i mean i think it's to help you double up and maybe you still get to attack with this because it has menace so it's going to take a sure. while to get blockers in front of it in modern so i feel like i just feel like there's some shell that kind of uses this to uh to do maximum disruption on somebody i just wish you could do it use it a little bit more quickly like combining with your other hand disruption spells but it just you just can't yeah the earliest you can go off with it is basically turn three right if you if you turn one it you're shooting in the dark if you turn two, play it you're you might have some more information but you don't get to sack anything until turn three you can't even do it turn one because it's at the beginning of your pre-combat no, main I, I just mean if you play it turn one. Oh, then, sure, sure, sure. Then you're still shooting in the dark at the beginning of turn two. Exactly. This is another quote-unquote free sack outlet for the fabled hidden behind the veil aristocrats deck. So maybe it's something for that, and we'll talk about that later with a few other cards, but I'm soft on it. It seems cool, but it's it seems slow. I'm ready to be proven wrong. Yeah. I think the fact that it's one mana is probably the best feature about it and why it is <laughs> easy to believe that this could find a home one day. Yeah, exactly. But I think we can all agree that it's hard to evaluate since the home isn't obvious. And it makes me wonder if this is the type of card that could help introduce a new deck to the format, which is something that everyone's sort of keeping an eye on with this set. Aristocrats. Aristocats. Yeah. So we're going to skip over Changeling Outcast. Sad Grandpa. Everybody's even, even that one. I mean, interesting that it's a one CMC cha- uh, cha- changeling, but whatever. I see more as a despondent uncle. <laughs> yeah, someone who comes to Thanksgiving and really wants to talk to you about policy. Um, <clears throat> Crypt Rats is a great callback card and definitely a card that was in need of a reprint. I re- buy listed a stack of these from Visions for like six bucks a piece last year. So it's a it's a popper card that sees play sometimes. So I'm glad to see some people getting relief there. Also, I think it's worth noting that I don't think there's another pestilence effect available in modern anywhere, and pestilence itself is not legal in modern. Uh, pyrohemia. But, uh, okay, thank you. I was trying to figure it out the other day, but um, yeah, I know every red card in modern. Just FYI, cool effect, but uh, pass on this card. Diabolic Edict, we're kind of all out on because we already had Liliana's Triumph for the last 15 days or whatever. <laughs> um, so it's nice to have a couple of edicts to choose from. I, I think I will play Diabolity Edict just because I like the art better than Liliana's Triumph, if I ever needed that. Um, I think that we could talk a little bit about Dredgescape Sliver, though. 
And so I will hand it over to Stan to read it. Dredge scape sliver, one in a black. Creature sliver at uncommon. Each sliver creature in your graveyard has unearth two. And unearth two is you pay two to return this card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste, exile it at the beginning of the next end step, or if, or if it would leave the battlefield, unearth only as a sorcery. So I'm going to say this a lot for all the slivers we talk about today, but I had a really hard time evaluating the slivers in general because it was always a fringe tribal deck in modern that some people had a lot of fun playing with. wasn't a deck that put up a ton of results. We're seeing some new slivers enter the format and appear in magic in general maybe this helps put that deck toward a higher tier i don't know to me it just kind of looks like an edh card that's probably not going to see modern play but y'all are believers so i don't know what to think unearth is a powerful mechanic and i think that the slivers deck has sort of a core of cards that it has to use and has quite a few flex flex spots for what's worth so i think this can allow some serious shenanigans there's a lot of etb slivers as well so i don't know i am a believe it so I agree with you that Unearth is very powerful, but I think for this card to really see impact, it has to just set up a single game-winning play, right? You unearth or a bunch of creatures, some cool do something wild, and win the game yeah. on the spot. I mean, there are there are uh, slivers that give... There's Mana Weft Sliver, for example, that gives slivers the ability to tap for mana. And so what you can do is potentially... Now, again, I'm not someone who super loves a sliver deck either. Yeah, that's but, Shane. But there's a lot of, yeah, I know, there's a lot of toys there for, especially if you have a wide board and then you want to bring back a, a bunch of people, a bunch of slivers that have entered the battlefield effects, like Zach was saying, you can unearth a bunch of your graveyard, bring them back. So I, I think that this one, I thought, I'm going to believe it just on the basis of how powerful unearth can be. I think that there's lots of slivers that give such powerful abilities that they're removal magnets. And so you can unearth those you know, or unearth something flexible that has already hit the bin, right? Like you're like, well, I need some life. I'm going to unearth a life gain sliver. I can give all my slivers flying and just kill them off. If I unearth, yeah. you know, this is the one that gives it, that gives all my slivers flying. I think that there's, there's a sliver that destroys artifacts and enchantments. There's enough really powerful slivers that your opponent wants to remove them and to keep them off the board that if you get them back late in the game, it can set up either a, a game winning or a game swinging effect. 100% totally earth that. Yeah, and this one has unearth itself. So even if you get, let's say you get wrathed, but you somehow have like eight mana in play because the game has gone really late, you know what I mean? You can unearth this and then unearth a couple of other ones. They all have haste and maybe swing in for the last couple of points of damage. I like it. So, I like it, Dave. You can just make a bunch of land drops. I will say the cool thing about unearth is you can't interact with a counter spell. So, right. Even if your control player is holding up counter magic. There isn't a ton that they can do if you just start unearthing your slivers with your fabled eight mana. So we're going to skip over Feaster of Fools, a three mana six, sorry, a six mana three, three flyer with a bunch of text is kind of cool. And I, I like demons in general, but this one's not for modern. But so what we're going to talk about is Force of Despair. So this is the black card in the force cycle, one and two black instant. So if it's not your turn, you may exile a black card from your hand rather than play the spell's mana cost. And then destroy all creatures that enter the battlefield this turn. I personally am a sleeve it. I think this is a very cool card. Raz at three mana are very powerful. And there's some fringe utility with stopping something like a Kiki combo or the cat combo as well. I mean, I would really quickly like to say that the, the thing that I'm the most scared of or the most would like to stop with this is uh, Primeval Titan decks. 
Oh, yeah. to be honest, like I, this is the type of thing that I'm always sitting there. Where I'm like, ah, I got destroyed because I didn't have, you know, mana up on turn two, and I'm getting hit by, a, you know, 18 points from a primeval titan because they went crazy. So, um, it just seems like a little bit of a safety valve like that. Why not just play slaughter pack though? Like, because because you can't you can't necessarily pay for it on the next upkeep, and you just lose. Yeah, and yeah, you're never going mean, to lose to Force of Despair. Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of effect already existed, right? Like, no. I not mm, not not disagree. not zero mana board wipe now. But it's not it's not a zero mana board wipe. I think calling it a three mana wrath is a little disingenuous. Um, no, I it's think, zero mana. We just said okay. I don't think it's a zero mana wrath. Like, it's not a wrath. It's just it gets rid of what came into play, entered the battlefield this that's turn. That's fair. That's right? fair. So I think it's I think it's a sideboard card. It's probably playable. I'm a believer. I don't. Th- here's the real issue, though. For something like Dredge, it doesn't exile because that's not really something in Black's color pie typically. I believe. So like you know maybe some kind of world where like Sahili combo exists as like some kind of real attack. Which it I don't does. think it really. It, yeah. it certainly does. Yeah, it's putting up real results. So I mean, it it can protect against you know co- creature combo stuff. But like I said, I think Slaughter Pack can do the same thing if you really want an effect like this. No. <laughs> but we d- I just said that you, you lose this slaughter pact if someone goes off on turn two or on their third turn and you only have two lands in play, you just Yeah, but turns I mean turn two is pretty rare even for primeval mm, Titan decks. I, I Titan goes off turn two a fair amount, I feel like. I was a believer until I heard Dave's point about Primeval Titan, and now I am ready to sleeve this. At first I thought it was gonna be a sideboard card that comes in against creature matchups. I think this will be really good against elves, because elves just plays all of their creatures pretty much on one turn maybe over two turns but being able to deal with prime time being able to deal with you know kiki jiki or cat tokens i think this card's gonna be pretty real it kills phoenixes but not exile them which is does not exile them yeah but i mean look it doesn't have to take care of them permanently in the case i think it's that the lack of exile is a bigger ding against dredge than it is against phoenix where occasionally you just need like one more turn to kill them and then they put three phoenixes in play and try to haste attack you and you just kind of go all right i'm gonna ditch two cards to buy myself another turn i think it's i think this is i think this is definitely gonna see some play out of the boards here and okay there. Dave, on behalf yeah. of all Phoenix players, please stop exiling my birds. I need them to come back. Feel free hey, to spare them. I don't care. I've been playing Phoenix a lot again lately too. Badly, Ooh. by the way, but um Poorly. It's, it's cheap enough to to rent on mana traders again, so I've been I've been back on that deck. That's funny. All right. So um moving on from Force of Despair, we have Headless Spectre. We're all gonna skip that. Um, Plague Engineer is next. So Plague Engineer is two and a black. It's a carrier creature. I can't remember seeing that creature type uh, before. I'm sure it has There's a saga. So we've got Death Touch. As Plague Engineer enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures of the chosen type your opponent's control get minus one, minus one. It's a two, two. Um, I'm a believer. It's a pretty surprisingly cool card. It's likely going to trade for something, frequently maybe be a two-for-one. I'm not sure the minus one, minus one is really enough, however, especially at three mana. It may be, it, may, it can protect against certain combos, I suppose, like maybe you know, the Felidar-Sahili combo, because Felidar Guardian would have no power. It's a one-four or a Thopter Sword combo, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I mostly agree with you, with you, Shane. I think that it's like right on the fringe of being a good sideboard card. 
Sure. I will say I, I'd like to point out a couple of things that it does kill that maybe is is um, a little um, less obvious. It does kill Thalia's lieutenant. By the way, Thalia. C- coming into play, it kills Thalia. It kills Noble Hierarch. It kills Champion of the Parish. So if you were to p- play this against humans, I think it's actually a decent-ish card there if you if you needed it for some reason out of a black deck that couldn't afford to run Wraths or something like that. Um, so I, I think it's a good card to just have around in the format in case there are linear kind of tribal decks that get out of hand. So I'm definitely on Believe It for this one. Same. I think this card is pretty cool. I like that it's non-legendary because having multiples on the board actually seems great. Believe it. I'm going to hold on to mine if I open any. Yeah, I'm I'm a strong believer on this one as well. I have a friend who plays Rock Jun builds, and they had an interesting point that you can bring this out of the board in the mirror, and it's only one-sided. So you can name their goif, and your goifs kill your opponent's goifs. That's a little fringe, but it being one-sided is very interesting and powerful, and I think that's the point to take away from that. Hmm. This this is good in any matchup where you would bring in Staticaster. Good point. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's an interesting way to think about it. Maybe even better. Interesting. I don't know. It, it serves a slightly mm. different purpose because you can't always change the creature type. So I don't know if it's as good against something like Affinity that Staticaster was, but I like giving black decks that Staticaster effect. Name Thopter, never let him have one. Exactly. So we're going to skip over Sling Gang, Lieutenant, we're all heaves. We're also going to skip over Umezawa's Charm. He looks very charming in it, though. Oh, what a handsome man, seriously. He's like, hey, remember my sword? Here's what it does. <laughs> in charm form we are going to take a minute to talk about undead auger black black for a 2-2 zombie wizard whenever undead auger or another zombie you control dies you draw a card and you lose one life i'm a believer relevant creature type that gets you card advantage not sure if this is what breaks open zombies as a relevant tribe in modern but honestly i wouldn't be surprised if this is going to be good enough for that deck if and when it finally emerges yeah, to me, this feels like a card that they knew would be a mistake for standard. Because I'm looking at this, and the power seems very unreal. And I feel like they didn't want this to dominate an era. And also, in modern, the synergy with Gravecrawler is there. Like, you can, if you have a sack outlet, you can keep, every time you have a black mana, you can draw a card and get Gravecrawler back, which seems very good. Yeah. I, I am, right now, I'm on the cusp of believing and sleeving. I've always think zombies are a really cool tribe. I think they're always really neat. And I think this really might be what pushes them. It's a 2-2, two, two, which is for two, which is, I think, really where this card would have to be. Yeah, I think what's interesting for me about this card is, like, how do you build the zombies tribal deck, right? Is it maybe around sacrificing and things like that instead of... Because there are a bunch of zombie lords, right. too, that don't see play. That's kind of like, maybe that's not the way that that deck goes. And it's much more about, uh, you know, coming back out of the graveyard, sacrificing them for some kind of incremental gain and just burying people in card advantage. So, I mean, I think this is a cool card. I think it's clearly valuable and powerful for the cost. So that's why I have it as a believe it. Yeah, maybe the real aristocrats were the corpses we met along the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm a believer of Undead Augur. I'm not sure it really pushes zombies into anything super competitive, but it's like a cool, nice ability. I think it's something fun for people to build with. I think it definitely makes it more Friday Night Magic competitive. At the at the very least bar, you can bring this and have it not be like, oh, zombie tribal, huh? <laughs> you know what I like for the future zombie tribal deck? Just a quick aside, it's Bantu the Glorified from original Amonkhet. 
Ooh. Being able to sack your creatures, get a scribe before you decide what to draw with this card. I don't know. Dare to dream, I guess. We're going to skip over Venomous Changeling. It's limited fodder. Someone joked about playing this in the Scraggins build because it's technically a dragon, but we're not doing <laughs> that. Yeah. What we are going to talk about, though, is Yogmoth Thran Physician. Two and two black for a legendary creature, Human Cleric. It is a 2-4, also at a bolt range. It has protection from humans. Pay one life. Sacrifice another creature. Put a minus one, minus one counter on up to one target creature and draw a card. And then the third ability, two black, discard a card, proliferate. So this is clearly a mirror to Urza in that it has three abilities and four toughness and four mana cost. Mm. This card is, I don't know if it's bananas the same way Urza is where it's instantly unreal, but this is a quote unquote free sack outlet. Has the benefit of madness filtering with the discard a card proliferate one if you really want to get nasty with it. I I don't know if I'm saying sleeve it because I don't know an immediate deck, but I believe this card. It three relevant abilities in modern and out of bolt range. This seems good, and you can once again we talk about this fabled aristocrats deck. This comes down at turn four, and the sack outlet doesn't need mana, so you can just maybe go off on turn four in this hypothetical deck. Yeah, I'm a believer of Doctor Yogmoth as well. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some interesting options like in a persist shell. That's like a really expensive board wipe versus just simply like generating endless mana and winning the game. Like other kind of persist tricks involve the four mana casting cost is just a little frustrating again for me because it seems like it, they're they're playing it pretty safe with uh, you know two four for for four. Um, I think it does enough interesting stuff, like you said, Zach, to probably see some kind of play, but it's not like overtly overpowered out of the box to me. Yeah, I gotta say, I am believe minus. I'm not really convinced that this is good enough. It seems like a pretty clunky engine that needs a lot of setup. I am grateful that we got a nice, clear look at Yogmoth, but I don't think this is really the card that is going to break anything open. I'm on believe minus two. I, I I'm struggling to see where this would get played for value anyway over like Kalidas, mm. but we'll see. Maybe if there's some kind of combo engine, it makes more sense. But for me right now, I'm kind of meh. Yeah, the sacrifice ability being quote free, I think, is why it could potentially get there. And you know, being able to proliferate minus one counters, cool. Cool. Hashtag cool. All right, so we are going to skip over Aria of Flame. No one was really impressed Sadly. by that. We are all we're also seems like a combo card. Keep an eye on it for against the odds, and we'll see what happens from there. That's all for sure. We're skipping over Firebolt, but we are going to talk about Fists of Flame. One in a red for an instant. Draw a card until end of turn. Target creature gains Trample and gets plus one plus zero for each card you've drawn this turn. I'm a believer. This seems pretty fun. I think I need to be told where this is going to go because it's definitely going to be a tool that synergizes with a strategy. But, uh, you know, doing this at instant speed for two mana and replacing itself, I think gives it enough utility that I'm not going to be surprised if this sees some play. Um, I'm a believer too. I think this card's going to do something. Whether or not it's really good, something remains to be seen. I think it's going to give, this is, you know, completely fringe, but I think it gives Storm, like another random win con. Like you can just attack with your Baral or your Electromancer. 
like, let's say let's say you don't draw to your grape shot or something like that. You can still just attack with your storm creature. I'm going to believe too, not for that reason, but just yeah. because I will one day lose to this card and I'll think my opponent's like, oh, you're drawing seven cards. I don't care. what, Whatever. It's fine. Oh, wait, what? You, you swing for 12? Oh, man. I lose now. Yeah. I really think it's more in a deck like that where it's like a, a hyper aggressive, like, you know, Kiln Fiend, you know, the yeah, classic. Yeah, a, a Kiln Fiend kind of deck is exactly what I'm thinking about right now. Yeah. So I, I don't think this is, I think this is more of a fringe playable card or like a... a a rogue tier three deck that you're going to, you know, four Oh and adventure whatever with, but this seems very good. This seems above rate and very powerful. So I'm a believe it. So <clears throat> the only thing I was thinking about with this card, as far as like tier decks and tier ish decks is let me, let me ask you guys something. You guys ever, you guys ever wish your awoken horror had trample. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty real, Dave. I, I think all the time, I'm so glad that it doesn't. I literally, I, I thank the Lord above that my Thopters can profitably block that. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see it kind of being like a one-of in a, in a you know, is it Phoenix deck where you're kind of like, hey, this still draws a card. I'm going to put it at the end of the chain. I get to draw a ton of cards off of it. I mean, that deck is so tuned right now that I, I would honestly be surprised if this made it in. Yeah. The other deck I was looking at this for is, hey, guys, you y- you ever wish that your um, Bedlam Reveler had trample? <laughs> Dude, every day I wake up and I just wonder why it doesn't. Because I kind of feel like that that's another card that this could could see some play with too, which is kind of like Mono Red Phoenix. Um, you know, who knows? Sometimes maybe you just fly over and you don't even care about the tramples. So I, I do feel like it fits in that little constellation of decks as well. Sure. The fact that it's two mana is like such a huge knock against it, but... I mean, Teamer Battle Rage is two mana. So he has plenty yes. of play. That's okay. Plenty of play <laughs> in one deck. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 in the it's in all of those sort of hyper aggressive death shadow type yeah, decks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember what we said, guys. Remember what we said, guys. Redundant effects can be very powerful. So, so Force of Rage, we have the Red Force, one red red instant. If it's not your turn, you may exile a red card from your hand rather than play the spell's mana cost. Create two, three, one red elemental creature tokens with trample and haste. Sacrifice those tokens at the beginning of your next upkeep. So, man, I feel like I'm a believer, but please tell me if and why I'm overrating this card. I feel like six trample power across two bodies. Is that really that bad for three? Even if you're not, you know, you're not, you're not casting it to be like some blockers as the force part of it really, but like even just casting it naturally for one red, red, is that that bad? So here's, here's why I hate this card. I don't think this, I, I don't think the second effect of create two, three ones with trample and haste. I don't think that's a bad effect. I think there are decks that want that. Why is this the force? Why why yeah. is this the red card? Why does red get surprise three one blockers? I I am upset about the direction of this card because it feels it feels like it was last minute decided to be made a force. I'm just confused Preach. about it. Preach. Can I can I tell you why this card kind of kind of sucks, Shane? That I think you glossed Please. over Please. as well. And it's that, that if you play this on your opponent's turn for free, you do not get to keep the tokens. You don't even get to. Yeah. GD keep them. Yeah, which oh, is, yeah. seems it's, totally crazy to me. I'm like, it, yeah, I mean, it's not that good. Why did they have to nerf it like that? Yeah, playing it on your opponent's <sighs> turn seems like just like the 
worst case scenario ever. I'm just thinking about playing it naturally. Are there like are there better effects in this already for three I mean, three red? No, there's ball lightning. Yeah, like actual ball lightning, which is yes, ball lightning maybe yeah. better. Or but worse. this is more stats than ball lightning. This is six two worth of stats. <laughs> yeah, one one extra one extra. Is that you're right? You're right. At Dijon Little. So here's what I'll say. I'm a believer, even though I think this card is pretty bad. And the reason I'm a believer is because I fully expect it to see play. And I think this is just going to be another tool in, like, super explosive, vexing devil decks that are just trying to burn out your opponent as quickly as possible and punish them with, you know, really quick, hard-to-interact-with-go-wide creatures. They already play Ball Lightning. They're not going to replace it with this. Because those decks also are playing Coco right now. So Coco hits Ball Lightning, not this. Yeah, okay. Stan, I'm, I don't. I hate the card. I'm so sorry. I just hate it so GD much. No, it's it's a fr- it's another Let's... frustrating card. I mean, it's a good thing we don't have to buy forces in every color to keep up with modern. They're doing us a favor <laughs> by printing bad yeah. cards. <laughs> Wizards save me money by frustrating me right now. You're right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm gonna run so many more fists of flame than I am force of rages. Mark my words. Yeah, fists of flame. I'm never gonna run card. force of rage. <laughs> okay. How do you feel about goat nap though, Dave? I love it, but pass. My goat! <laughs> the head forms a, a pentagram, for what it's worth. We can cut that out, but hail Satan. Hey, you, you stole my goat! I wish Watsy would stop wasting cards on jokes, but let's move on. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, they do, look, they do need a, they decided to make a cheap, um, what, am, what is it, active, it's not even a cheap act of treason. They decided to make it's an act of of fun act of treason for this set. I think it's okay. It gets the changelings. Those are the goats. Yeah. Oh, good point. That it gets changelings. Okay. We want to talk about Goblin Champion. I mean, no. you all hate it, but I got to say, Exalta triggers never cease to amaze me. But goblins are swinging with more than one creature. And I looked it up, and there are 45 modern legal one-drop goblins. This one doesn't make the cut over a lot of those. IMO. He did the math. Wow. Yeah. He has the receipts. Facts are facts. <laughs> is that a john roderick reference that they have the receipts yeah. no it's a whitney houston it's, reference it is a whitney houston reference yeah <laughs> let's talk about some other goblins i would like to talk about goblin engineer please so goblin engineer is one in a red for a one two it is a goblin artificer when goblin engineer enters the battlefield you may search your library for an artifact card and put it into your graveyard then shuffle your library uh, one red, tap, sacrifice an artifact, return target artifact card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. What do we think of this guy? Another classic card in the classic artificer archetype. <laughs> yeah, Elves a lot versus of those, right? inventors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I have this card as a sleeve. Everybody else has it as a believe. And I have it as a sleeve because... I think creature tutors plus the ability to reanimate something seemed like there is asking for trouble. And I just think somebody will figure out how to use this either with trash for treasure or who knows some other, some other um, future combo piece that will make this card into something great and powerful. Yeah. I really enjoy the red artifact tutoring where it goes into the graveyard and that I think it's kind of goofy, but the reason I'm a believe and not a sleeve is because decks that can utilize their graveyard like a hand extension don't really do so in an artifact-oriented manner. 
So I think that that's cool, and I think this card's very cool. And tutoring is very hard to do in modern, and consistent tutoring even more difficult without a very high buy-in. So I think this card has a lot of relevant abilities, but I don't know exactly what you do with it. You play it in a Jun deck with Glissa the Traitor. End of line. I mean, I'm a believer. This card does something. I'm not creative enough to know what it's doing, but it's going to do something. Same. Believer. I agree that it's a fun combo card. Excited to see where it shows up, but it's not a very intuitive card that's obviously going in a specific deck. So up next, we've got another goblin. It's the Maternal Goblin Matron, Tuna Red. For a 1-1, one, one, when Goblin Matron enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a Goblin card, reveal that card, put in your hand, shuffle your library. I'm kind of a believer, but it's a B-. minus. Believe minus. If goblins are real, maybe a tutor on a body with a relevant creature type is good enough, but I don't love it at three mana for a 1-1 one, one that replaces itself. It just seems a little underpowered. No, heave it. Why is Goblin's going to take turn three off to do this? Cast a 1-1 one, one with like no aggressive ETB just to set up some potential future turn? You don't have to take turn three off. You do have Skirk Prospector where you can start sacrificing Goblins to make mana as early as turn two. A little fringe, I know, but possible. I think that personally I am a sleeve it because tutoring is very rare in modern, as I just mentioned, and tutoring that goes into your hand is even more rare. So I don't know exactly what this does, but if I had a goblin deck, I would just immediately buy four of these and start jamming them and trying to figure out how to make it work. I will. The only thing I'm going to say about this is that I think this is the only card where we have the full spread of grades on it, <laughs> where one person says it's a heave it, two people say it's a believe it, and one person says it's a sleeve it. So that's me. Always fun to see. So we're going to go ahead and skip over Goblin Oriflame, Goblin War Party, and Hollowhead Sliver as um, I think Oriflame and War Party are more of limited cards than anything. And Hullhood Sliver, if you want to run Slivers, you can. But Lava Dirt is where some real discussion is about to happen. <laughs> I, I like it. So, one red mana for an instant. Lava Dirt deals one damage to any target. Flashback, Sacrifice Mountain. So this is one of those quote-unquote free flashbacks in that you're not paying mana, although you're losing a resource to do something. Um, I am a sleeve on this one. This seems if not strictly better than Gutshot, very good as a Gutshot replacement in Is It Phoenix. The ability to instantly deal with someone's uh, X1 creature when you're tapped out is huge. People, when they're trying to keep track of resources and such, will have to also keep track of Lava Dirt resources now. Yeah, I, I'd like to hop in there for a second. I, I kind of, I'm in the middle of Believe and Sleeve on this one. I do think that it's a little bit less of a replacement for Gutshot and more of a replacement for when you wanted to run Maximize Velocity, which is a card that you can get two triggers off of with low resources. So if you're you know late in the game, in the middle of the game, I found that when playing Phoenix decks, sometimes it's nice to have a card that gets you double triggers, and that's what this card can do. You, you know, If you top deck it and you only have one other spell in your hand, you can kind of get your engine started again, and, and that's why I think a card like this is worth it. Yeah, I'm on the Believe Sleeve bubble. I think it's just really easily castable for those red I-want-to-cast-spells decks. I mean, it's good for prowess. It's good for recurring phoenixes. There's all sorts of reasons you want to cast spells like this. Yeah, prowess I forgot about, too. I'm a pretty skeptical believer. I think the extra text is what makes this card possible, but I've never found that one damage effects are really ever good enough, except for Gutshot, because it's free. So... 
being able to cast it for quote free the second time, I can see this maybe finding the right home, but I'm not necessarily sure a lot of decks will want this over gut shot. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this could be big in Mono Red Phoenix. There's also that Red Prowess deck that I don't know if you saw floating yes. around recently that was like, hey, we're just going to run uh, Swift Spear and Soulscar Mage and even Abbot of Carol Keep. And so we're just going to load up on Prowess creatures. And so I think that that's a, a good point that this it could go in that kind of deck. I also want to point out that the flavor text is from Koth of the Hammer, one of my favorite Planeswalkers. Nice. I also want to point out that the flashback cost doesn't say basic mountain. So you can ditch anything that's under a blood moon. You can ditch a dual land. Interesting. That's a good point. We'll see what happens. All right. So skipping over Orcish Hellraiser straight. Uh, Orcish Hellraiser is cool for popper burn. And there are people who play mono red burn at their LGS. And this is worth noting for that. That's all I want to say. Yeah, I mean, just give it haste or something. Come on. But, um, all right, we'll go to Pillage. Pillage is interesting. One, red, red, sorcery. Destroy target artifact or land. It can't be regenerated. Boy, Simple. did I love this card when I, was, when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, so this is an old card, right, that's being reprinted into modern? Yeah, it was in Alliances and then other sets, but that it was first printed in Alliances. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer. I think, you know, it's a Molten Rain without damage. It can also tag an artifact. It's probably decent enough to see some random sideboard play. I must leave, but basically for all those reasons, you know, it's going to be a decent sideboard card. I don't think it's an obvious replacement for anything. Like, I'm not sure I would run this over a braid in every no. red deck. I, I would never do that. But I like the utility. I think it'll be a card that some folks would just prefer to play to, you know, some of the other options you have. And if that's you, let your freak flag fly. One day I'll sleeve up Scrut again, and when I do, I think I'm going to try this over Molten Rain, which is why I believe for this one. The utility is nice. We have a braid already for artifacts, but the Camp Beer Generated Clause is relevant nowadays with Welding Jar. So I've played against, uh, you know, sort of... War Control. War Control or even uh, scales. scales decks yeah. that have used yeah. that. Yeah, and just go, oh, I can't kill Blist anymore. Mm, this is garbage. I lose. Yeah, even so Affinity runs Welding Jar. Exactly. So this is a really good card out of the board because there are a handful of times where I'm bringing a Molten Rain going, hey, 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 I'm going to Celestial Colonnade or whatever. Or even with Blood Moon, you know, picking off one of their basics. So there's utility bringing it in those matchups, plus when you're dealing with Welding Jar. So I get to read the next card, which is Planebound Accomplice. Two colorless and a red. It's a human wizard. It's one three. And the activated ability it has is pay a red. You may put a Planeswalker card from your hand onto the battlefield, sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. And I have this as a belief because I'm pretty sure there's some kind of nonsense wombo combo you can do with this. And I think Stan has a suggestion for that already. See, I knew someone would come through. Yeah, I think this is going to be pretty good in Sahili combo. You just Why not just cast a Sahili? Because you don't have the blue mana. I mean, Sahili's not one of those, like, six or eight mana walkers. She's only three. Well, I, I will say I like the idea of having this as part of that package where you can sort of cast both it and Felidar Guardian in one turn, which I, th- I think is an interesting way to, to go at that if you wanted to try to speed it up. Right. Yeah, and it's important to note, Sahili only needs to be around for one turn. You can keep her around and get some of that scry value. But in general, since you're comboing off and winning in a single turn, that's where I think this could find some utility. I mean, I think it's a good point. Yeah, I mean, three mana, 
Plus, it's a wizard, kind of relevant, maybe. And the activated ability only being one mana, I think, is hopefully good enough. But I think, you know, whether or not that's the place where that actually ends up, you know, I when I was looking at this last night, I was like, I'm sure this is going to do something terrible. Sneak attack for planeswalkers, I'm sure, is going to be mm-hmm. bad at some point. And Stan's immediately, like, has a suggestion. There are brewers out there who are way better than us who are working on doing the same thing right now. So I, I think there's there's something for this card out there. Yeah, I'm a believer. I'm a believer as well. I'm not going to personally run this card in Scred or any of the decks I play, but this is powerful. One mana for opening a walker into play after you've played it is very good. So we're going to skip Pyrophobia. We're all on Heave. We're going to skip Ravenous Giant. How the Mighty Have Fallen. 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 Mighty have fallen. So let's talk a little bit about seasoned pyromancer. Didn't we already? We did. I actually want to talk about seasoned pyromancer for one quick second, and just to say, I like this card more than I did when Shane talked about it last week. Did I not convince you? I you did. Plus, other listening to other people talking and also just thinking about it somewhere on my own. I think I think it's a really really good card. So so definitely just leave it. I kind of hate that it checks the cart types upon discard. You know, one of the nice things about discard effects is that you can throw out extra lands, and this prevents you from doing that. Yeah, it'd be a little bit too powerful. I mean, it doesn't actually prevent you from doing it. You can do it. You just don't get that upside. I I like that, though. That means they thought about it, right? I'm still on sleeve it. I think it's good early, good late. Uh, I think Jun wants it. Might stream the mana base a little bit, but I think it's very good for red mid-rangey decks. All right, so we're going to start with our first green card of the day with Ayula, Queen Among Bears. One in a green for a 2-2. Hey, legendary creature bear. Whenever another bear enters the battlefield under your control, choose one. Put two 1-1 counters on target bear, or target bear you control fights another target creature you don't control. So we got it, y'all. We finally got the legendary bear that we've always wanted. Man, why are we reading this card? I wish it was a god. I wish it was a bear god. Bear god. I wonder why it wasn't. That'd be sick. I gotta say, I kind of believe it. I think it's really For cool. What? Maybe. I, I, I like um, that it has all this tacton ability. And, you know, we're going to talk about a card a little later that makes a ton of bears that I think synergizes with an existing deck. So... It's the next card. It's the very next card. Yeah, a little later. Very a little. But (laughs) it's also, I guess, named after her. But I don't know. Like, it it looks like fringy Johnny Jenny fodder. But I don't know. Like, part of me really won't be surprised if someone makes use of this because it has so many abilities. Hey, can I sell you a card that goes with this card? (laughs) I'm buying. Mox Amber. (laughs) So, hey. I'm kidding. I no, I don't think it does. <laughs> well, if if bear meant a two two for two, we'd be having a different discussion. <laughs> but it means creature type bear. I mean, I love this card. I love this card a lot. I'm just so mad that it's so narrow and it's just kind of funny. Like it's Why it's, isn't it's it a it, god. It's a he, he has it's a, a freaking aura. It's a heave for me, but I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm heaving this card too. I, I no. It, it's probably not not going to get there, but I just. I wanted to. I got it. There's something about it that really tickles me. I bet this would right have been a trash. fun tiny leaders uh, general. Yeah, maybe that's if it. If that format was around still. Maybe I'm just nostalgic for tiny leaders. Yeah. So, Stan, just, just take, you, just you take have to read the next one. Too. Influence. Yeah. Yeah. 
You're the bear boy now. Sure, yeah. Ayula's influence. GGG for an enchantment at rare. Discard a land card. Create a 2-2 green bear creature token. So I got to say, guys, I am on sleeve for this one. You're a madman. I played against Assault Loam at my LGS just last week, which is a red-green deck that uses Life of the Loam and Seismic Assault just to get a bunch of lands, cycled in and out of your hand and graveyard, deal a ton of damage. And seeing what that deck is capable of makes me think that a new tool for it might be good enough. So maybe it's not good enough, but... Having seen what this one existing deck can do makes me think that this has potential. Why, why am I? Why, why am I? This. Yeah, why am I casting this instead of the red enchantment? Like, why am I, why am I taking turn three off to cast this? It's copies. It's just five it's, through whatever. Yeah, it's just redundant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but the, how are you how are you casting this with triple green mana requirements with you know the triple red? I mean, there mana are a lot of red green dual lands, Shane. You seem really shocked about how people yeah, can no, cast all these yeah, different be, colored yeah, spells in no, one deck be, because it does not work reliably. Not on turn. You don't need you don't need this on turn three all the time. Also, the assault loan yeah. deck does play Birds of Paradise. Mm, bop. Yeah, I don't think you do. You do have to cast this on turn three either way. I just think that 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 deck is a little fringy. I think that part of the reason that it's good is because they're shocks, not because they're creatures. Mm-hmm. So maybe it gives yes. a bailout to it. But I'm mostly out on this card. Yeah, I mean, I watched Seismic Assault go four zero at the LGS the other day. F- friend of the show, James, running it and seemed to do pretty well with it. So. I don't know. Maybe this is the extra push it needs in certain matchups. Who knows? But I am a believe it. I think the Seismic Assault deck is a little underplayed currently, and I think this really helps it. So this is another card where we have two heaves, a believe, and a sleeve. So another one where we have people all over the map, which I think is kind of interesting. So next we have Collector Oof? Ofe? Oof. Eefy? I always call Oof. these oafs, but I, I don't Oope? know. Tupe? Bear. <laughs> Collector Bear. So, Collector Ufe? Oof. Oof. One in a green for a 2-2. Creature Oof. Activated abilities of artifacts can't be activated. I am big on this card. I am personally a sleeve with this card. This is very good. I am very happy with this. I have been a fan of the Green-White Hate Bears deck for a long time, even after it no longer put up results two-ish years ago. But... I think it's cool. Violating this in to someone casting an artifact spell is very funny. Ooh, wow. And even if that only happens once or twice where someone goes Arcbrand Ravager, okay, in response, violin, collector Ufi. I don't know. Seems cool. Yeah, I'm I'm a sleeve it too, and I can't believe I'm sleeving up all these green cards, because I will never actually probably cast them in real life. But for two mana, that's such a strong ability. I will be truly shocked if it does not see play. The art reminds me of the movie Willow, which I particularly enjoy. Yeah, I can. So I'm that. a believe. I don't have any big reason that I'm not a sleeve on this this card. I just, uh, I just think it's a little more vulnerable than uh, yeah. than Stony Silence is, and so that's a little bit of a knock to where I don't think it's going to necessarily become a format staple. But it's a good card. It's it's worth it as part of a toolbox deck. For sure, I agree. Yeah, I'm also a sleeve on Collector Oof. So. Moving on along, so we have we're going to skip Deep Forest Hermit. We're going to skip Elvish Fury, and move on to Force of Vigor. So here's our Green Forest. It's two green green 
instant. If it's not your turn, you may exile a green card from your hand rather than pay the spell's mana cost. Destroy up to two target artifacts and or enchantments. So I think this is a pretty clear sleeve to me. Um, it's a great sideboard card. It can tag two cards without paying a mana cost at, say, your opponent's end of turn. It's really going to cause some blowouts against certain matchups where you know your opponent's going to play two strong artifacts. They think that they have you. You, know, you untap. But you don't need to untap at their, at their end of their turn. You pitch Force of Vigor on another card, and you tag those artifacts. I can't add anything to that. Agree. It's a sleeve. Yeah, it's um, this card. I've had people talk to me about this. How this is versus prison. This is very good versus mono red prison. This is very very good against the deck. I don't think it's the end all be all. For example, with lattice out, the cards aren't green, so you can't exile them to pay the alternative cost. But this is good. I'm going to lose this card more than a couple times. On the flip side, I think it's good to have something like this in modern. It's nice to have answers to turn one into nonsense. So very powerful, but an important safety valve. I am also a sleeve it. I was a heave it. <laughs> what? what? Yeah, defend yourself, Stan. I mean, yeah. you guys are convincing me. I think it's a little best case scenario. I think more often or not, this is going to be a two for one. And you're going to be two for one yourself. Being able to cast it for free is relevant, but I think this might be a little overvalued. I don't. Th- it's not the kind of thing you bring in instead of nature's claim. Do you know what I mean? You bring it against like artifact heavy decks. I think enchantment as well, which, sure. which is yeah. I, we talked about how there's not a ton of enchantment removal, and having artifact removal that can just easily be enchantment removal is pretty good and will affect the meta. Mark my words. Yeah, timestamp is one fifty four oh five. Yeah, I mean. This could be an example of me really misevaluating a card. I don't know. The fact that it's a force and those are kind of the marquee cycle of this set makes it seem like it's going to get a lot of attention and a lot of experimentation. I need to see it in action before I'm truly convinced. Okay, we're going to skip Genesis. A couple of us believe in it, but we think it's pretty expensive. We're going to skip over Glacial Revelation as well. I think there's a chance that Glacial Revelation could do something, although it's pretty expensive for a specific, a uh, very specific ancient stirrings, but we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, my thought on that is if there's a good snow creature, red-green scred could become a big thing. Seeing six is huge, but I would need to see a playable snow creature in red or green. Really powerful, though, for a three-mana ponder. Absolutely. For, yeah, ponder style effect. Uh, but I do think we should stop and talk about Hex Drinker quickly because uh, I think this is a card that we have some sort of uh, questions and sort of uh, issues with. So Hex Drinker is one green for a 2-1, and this card actually has level up, which is a mechanic that I haven't, you know, we haven't seen in a long time. It was originally in Rise of the Eldrazi, and its mm-hmm. level up cost is 1, and level up works by saying uh, you pay the the cost, and then you put a level counter on it. You can level up only as a sorcery. You can do it as many times as you want in a turn, as long as you can pay the costs, and Hex Drinker starts as a 2-1, from levels three to seven, it has protections from instance and becomes a four, four. And then from level eight up, it gets protection from everything and is a six, six. And you're probably never leveling it up after the eight. No, not unless you wanted to get rid of mana burn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I believe it. I think this card is dope. 
I could see this maybe finding a home in some kind of mono green devotion deck, maybe even Ponza, because they can produce a lot of mana. Probably not Tron, but the fact that it can level up with colorless mana, I think is kind of interesting, and Tron does produce green. This will never see play in Tron. You're pr- yeah, you're, pr- you're probably right, but I, I don't know, like, a one... A one drop that can turn into a six six with protection from everything without any color requirements for the level up for eight mana, dude. So what? Sometimes no. you have mana to spend. I mean, you're paying for everything. That means that does mean something. Yeah. You're right, Stan. But that's fair. It dies to board wipes though, and oh. those are everywhere. Protection from everything doesn't mean protection from board wipes. I know it, it means something very specific. And board wipes are very big right now. And I just think that. And also, someone can kill it in response to a level up activation. So. I think I'm very excited to run this in my Snake EDH. No joke. That's a real thing that I own and I'm excited to play with. <laughs> I think it's going to see play in fringier archetypes, probably something more casual. I don't think it's going to make a splash in any real competitive sense. So I'm, I'm a believe minus. Yeah, I guess I'm a believe right down the middle. Not plus, it. not minus. Bye. I believe I will put it in my Snake EDH. Good call. So we're going to skip a few more cards. We're all on Heave It for Mother Bear. We're not impressed by Nantuko Cultivator, but nice to see a reprint. We are not impressed with Nimble Mongoose. That's kind of sad. You don't, just not, you just, don't get to Nimble again. Just not a modern yeah, just not card. Modern, no, not anymore. But we are going to chat briefly about Regrowth. One in a green, sorcery, uncommon, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. And I'm a Heber. So, like, these effects don't see a ton of play in modern. I don't think a ma- two mana sorcery is really going to change that. Well, I think they do see play in modern, but they're stapled on the creatures. Right. You know what I mean? And, like, and, you know, and we, that's we, the we see point. these effects with, like, yeah, we see, like, that uh, the green white dude whose name's escaping me that uh, recurs a two CMC or less to the battlefield, correct? Renegade Rallyer? Yes, yeah. please. And then, uh, and then, and then, and then Ewit has a m- even more powerful ability getting anything back from the graveyard. So yeah, Ewit so, is the one that sees the most play. Renegade Rallyer, kind of fringy. Does not a ton of green white decks these days. I think that's the important caveat, right? They're stable to a creature. They're good in toolbox decks. This is just an effect yeah. that we already have, and it doesn't see a ton of play to begin yeah. with and, on a non-creature spell. When it's on a creature, you keep the creature on the battlefield. So I'm a believe it for regrowth. Um, mm. It's a card that it's it's nice that it's a it's a nice callback for me. It's a card that reminds me of playing when I first started. So I got a little bit of nostalgia here for this, just like with um, Factor Fiction. It was restricted. Back in the day, so I don't know if anybody remembers that particular weirdness. Um, I think there's a chance that this could go into green-based spell decks, potentially. Um, yeah, lots so of So I imagine, well, yeah. I, maybe not green-based, but I sort of imagine it as <laughs> something possible in, like, uh, Wilderness Reclamation. Bargain like, bin. Now, you can't search it up with teachings, which is, of course, too bad. But I could see this as like a card that you have around if you want to bring back a, a non-creature permanent that's really key to your um, your plan. There is that like blue-green storm offshoot. I don't even really remember how it works. I think it, it's a blue sun zenith payoff, but without the teachings package. So maybe that's what it needs to be a real deck. Yeah, but I'm only on believe it. I think it's like a one of. Sometimes, yeah, I I'm a heave it 
there are, these effects already exist. If people want to run them, they can. So we're going to go ahead and skip Savage Swipe, but we are going to talk about Scale Up. Yes. Which is a, a one green sorcery until the end of your turn. Target creature you control becomes a green worm with base power and toughness 6-4. Overload, 4 and 2 green. So each creature you control becomes a green worm with base power 6-4. I forgot to see so, that overload cost. It's like, who cares? So this is very good for the deck infect. This, in fact, can lead to turn two kills with the deck infect. Yeah, I hate this card. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're all on sleeve it. for this one. Yes. Quad, oh, yeah. this... quad sleeve, just like that taking turns guy. <laughs> yeah, this is good. I mean, no discussion. This is a powerful card. Someone, you are going to lose to an effect deck on turn two with this, and it's going to be a bad time. Yeah, I, I, want, I want to have some discussion. It's a, it, gives, it gives infect just a few more options for those turn, turn two, turn three kills, right? So, you know, turn one, slam your elf. Turn two, scale up, and like a landfall groundswell or a might of Volcrosa, that's 10. So the an issue is it's, it is sorcery speed, which isn't really how Infect typically wants to operate. So, you know, are you going to have eight sorcery speed effects with might of Volcrosa plus this? That seems a little sketch to me. I don't know how it's going to balance out, but, you know, if Infect's going to be played, I think they are going to slot in some scale-ups. So if Infect becomes a more consistent turn two deck, I don't think any of us really expected to see it eating a ban anytime soon. And this is the kind of card that I think makes Force of Negation probably a shoe-in a shoe for Modern Staple. Because this is the type of thing that you get to do with no mana up to kind of prevent your opponent from doing something crazy. Yeah, I agree. I think it being sorcery speed also keeps it in check as well. Uh, Lightning Bolt is yes. a good card against Infect, and I think that if Infect just pops up, people start running more Lightning Bolts or more whatever spot mm -hmm. removal. So this card is clearly very good, clearly powerful. You're going to lose to it, but I don't think it's broken wide open or anything. Even yeah, Gunshot I mean, tough is to good against Infect, just for the record. Exactly. Yes, but the thing that's tough about this is that, you know, when they drop like a Glistener Elf and then they go to have turn two, two green mana up, and they go scale up. And you go, okay, I'm going to cast my Lightning Bolt in response to it. And they go, Blossoming Defense. You're just like, ah, okay. You got it. Done. Yeah. That's why you got to kill him on turn one, Dave. So it's it's tough. It's going to make Infect really a pain again, I think. Really a pain? Hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, and as an Elves player, I was kind of looking at this card through that lens. I can see this possibly being as an alternate Azuri in that deck, since you get to produce a ton of mana with the Archdruid and could potentially get up there for the overload cost. Yep, I'm definitely kind of hyped to play some Infect again at my LGS. It was like my second Modern Love, so it'll be fun to go back to it. Okay, Spore Frog is a, a single green creature frog. Sacrifice Spore Frog, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn. He's a 1 1, so it's a fog frog. Maybe I missed an arrow when this was a real card, but who's playing fog? Turbo Fog is not a modern deck. Maybe it is now, though. I mean, it could be definitely be part of like some annoying, like recursive fog deck. Like it's just easy. It's sometimes easier to get creatures back than spells. So I'm like, I'm like a believe minus. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm a heave it. Someone's gonna try to run this, but a deck like this, if your opponent tries to win not in the combat step, you don't beat them. So I think it's goofy. I definitely know due to my LGS who is about to buy four of these and sleeve it up, but not for me. Good thing they'll only cost a dollar. 
to get a four of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that. I'm going to believe it, but mostly just because I, I know people are going to mess with it. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to heave it. I'm a little surprised that Dave and Shane are, are into it. Oh, I, I'm hey, barely hey, into it. That doesn't mean I'm into it. That just means I think it'll be around. You're into it, Dave. <laughs> this is exactly my type of card. It's green and it fogs. Dave, speaking of cards are indie, let's 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 get into that in this next one. Spring Bloom Druid, two colorless and a green for an elf druid. It's a one one. And when Spring Bloom Druid enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a land. If you do, search your library for up to two basic land cards. Put them out of the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle your library. Um I just think this is an I have this as a believe. I'm kind of not sure where this card fits, but I think it's sort of a believe minus that maybe is like some weird anti-Blood Moon tech if you are in a ramp deck, basically. I didn't think about that. That is a good point. You sacrifice a land to get two basics. So it helps, I guess, all those green decks that struggle with it. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I am... I'm on the heave more heave side. I believe that this could end up in some sort of goofy deck, but that Blood Moon tech is interesting, Dave. Yeah, I'm kind of a believer. I don't know necessarily if it's what ramp decks want to be doing on turn three, but I just think you can't underestimate the power of like these ETB effects with like blinking and recursive tricks because you're generating mana. Oh, they're in the battlefield tapped. Okay, I read this wrong. Heave it. Gone. Wow. Yeah, I'm Heave Plus, I guess. I think this card looks pretty bad. The anti-Blood Moon tech is fine. Having an ETB ability is fine. Maybe it ends up in some kind of combo or super synergy deck, but until then, I am not impressed. Yeah, I'd like to revise mine to a Heave It. Sorry for the distraction, everybody. <laughs> oh, I'm a Quad Heave. All right, so we are all Heave on Squirrel Nest. We're skipping that. Please stop, Wizards of the Coast, please. I'm sure EDH players are going to love it. Not so much for me. We're going to skip Tempered Sliver. We're all kind of iffy on that one. A lot of these slivers are hard to evaluate in general, so we're just going to move on and see what happens with that cycle. But we are going to talk about Unbound Flourishing, Tuna Green Enchantment. Whenever you cast a permanent spell with a mana cost that contains X, double the value of X. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell or activate an ability, if that spell's mana cost or that ability's activation cost contains X, copy that spell or ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. I think the obvious place to experiment with this is hardened scales, but it's thinking too too small there, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like even that feels like too small of a thinking. This effect seems so powerful. I don't think it's the type of effect I'm ever going to cast, but I'm pretty much scared of it already. I mean, this is a super breakable effect. I'm like, I'm definitely yep. a sleever. I mean, a doubling season costs five mana and is seen play, right? Like three, this costs three, still not cheap, but I think it has legs, right? Like X spells and X permanence spells are popular enough that this can do a lot of work. Like even like the new finales, oh, for yeah. instance. So I think this card is great. I mean, I, and I, I, we're only scratching the surface so far. So, yeah, I mean, though, I would like to introduce you to uh, another, uh, to a card that could be played with this. And that is Nissa steward of elements. It's a planeswalker that has an X in it. Huh? Huh? In, in a color combination that would want to be played with this. You said, yeah, it's blue, green huh. X, and, uh, it's huh. plus two is scry two. It's zero is 
look at the top card of your library. If it's a land or creature card with converted make house equal to or less than the number of loyalty counters on Nissa, you may put it onto the battlefield. So you could potentially cast this for five, zero, and then put that put a permanent on top of the battlefield, and then it's minus sixes. Untap two target lands, they become five five elemental creatures with a flying and haste, they're still lands. So you could possibly put her down and then attack for ten. Yeah. I mean on the card it has Hydra art, so they're even hinting what you should do with it. I personally look yeah. forward to some sort of Saffron Olive Hydra Tribal Unbound Flourishing deck. It also has a human for scale, so you know it's a really big hydra. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just a believer of this one. I'm not sure it's going to be played, but I, I'm sure it's going to be messed around with a lot. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that. So next will be the last green card we're going to talk about, which is Weather the Storm. One in a green, instant, you gain three life. And, and what's that other ability? Storm? <laughs> I've heard of it. Um, I really like this card. I think it was just revealed today when we're talking, and when I saw it, I just went, nice, this is cool. I'm a fan of this. You just went nice? Wherever you were sitting, nice. you were like, nice. Yeah, but the sunglasses came down from the sky and covered Zach's face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I believe I was at my kitchen table uh, simultaneously playing, playing Breath of the Wild and scrolling through spoilers when I did it. So, yes. Nice. So, I am a believer. I am a believer. I'm a sleever. Well, I'm not personally going to sleeve it. But I think this card is 100% sleevable, unquestionable. This is really good tech for Amulet Titan and Tron, which struggle in the Storm matchup. So being able to have this when they go, okay, Grape Shot, okay, Weather the Storm. Yeah. Yeah. But the real issue is that Storm has to be some kind of menace that I want to dedicate one of my 15 sideboard slots to this. Sure, it depends on your meta, right? And it's one of those things where if you think you're going to see it at a tournament, it might be worth putting in. I, I don't think this is an all-the-time card, so I, I guess that's a good point. Uh, I must sleeve this, but sleeve it with diligence. Is that the right word? So sleeve it with f- forethought. I think you guys are being a little too literal with this card. It is not just good against Storm. <gasps> but it says Storm on the card. I know. It says Storm on the card. It says Storm on the card twice. It must be good against Storm. <laughs> Um, oh, weather the storm. Oh, jeez, I didn't even think about that. <clears throat> this card is also, I think, potentially good against Phoenix, and also good against Mono Red Phoenix, and um, also good against any kind of red base prowess Bernie kind of deck. I think there's a chance that if you cast one card and gain nine life, let's say, in response to somebody casting two, you know, hitting you with your creature and getting two lightning bolts or something like that. So then you would gain six life and just negate those lightning bolts. I think that all could make up for, um, you know, enough card advantage to make you get there against Bernie type decks as well. Do you guys remember when Storm got a 10 on the Storm scale and now they're just printing new Storm cards? That doesn't mean for all things. That means mostly for standard sets and that it can possibly come back for supplemental sets. Yeah, I got to say, I think that the thing that annoys me the most about this card is that it means that anybody who wants to play Storm now has to actually run Fluster Storm. Hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, I don't know, Dave. I I mean, green already has access to pretty good, just strict life gain that doesn't require, like, storm count to be high. Like, they can just run, like, um, feed the clans life or something. Life goes on and feed the clan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a hater. I'm just, I don't think it's great. I'm a belief plus. I really like what Dave is saying. I think this is going to see a lot of utility outside of the storm deck. It's such a pesky ability at instant speed. Well, what I like about this card, I'm, I'm a believer, you know, I think, but I think that this card is definitely like one of the first ones that was pitched to like Mark Rosewater and he was like, print it. 
Let's not mock Mark Rosewater on her podcast. Are you on the dive down? We are moving on to the gold cards, y'all. We're almost there in the home stretch here. So we'll skip Abominable Tree Folk. And I just wish it was red. I don't know why it's not. That's upsetting. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. So we'll move on to Cloud Shredder Sliver. This is the first sliver I think we all are uh, no longer hesitant to review. Yeah. And I'm going to give it a sleeve. This seems extremely oh, good. Yeah. So Cloud Shredder Sliver is red-white for a sliver. It's a 1-1, but sliver creatures you control have flying and haste. That seems like an extremely good set of abilities to bestow upon all your creatures. Flying and haste, those are great abilities for a deck that wants to beat down. And I imagine this is going to be a hyper removal magnet. If it hasn't already been granted like Shroud or Hexproof or something from some other sliver you have out. Yeah, absolutely. This card is unreal. I, I think really what this does, so it's clearly very good. But what it does more than anything is it allows slivers to drop blue because they were running blue pretty much exclusively for Gale Rider Sliver, yeah. which was a 1-1 one, one for one blue that gave all slivers flying. So you get to move out of that color entirely and focus more on red and white stuff. This is very good. This is unreal. So you don't think they would still run the, the blue one because the blue, the flying is kind of the most important ability, isn't it? No, no, definitely. And you can if you want to, but this opens up other strategies. Yeah, so you can just effects. double down. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can double down if you want to, but if you want to see what else you can do if you cut that, and there are plenty of slivers that are fringe playable and maybe now are more playable. I, I think you're totally right, Dave, and probably the stock build might just go double down, flying, let's do it. But this opens up a lot more sliver decks as opposed to just the one that was on the fringe. Yeah, I guess you're kind of like, um, you have to play green, right? Because you have to play the, exactly. the plus one, you plus have to one play slivers. Green. And you should play white too. Yeah. So makes sense. Yeah. I'm definitely a believer. I'm not sure whether slivers is good enough yet, but this card is like the first sliver that's obviously good and really easy to evaluate. And at two mana, the effect is super powerful. If you want to play with slivers, this is definitely something you're going to put in your deck. Agree. So we're going to skip Collected Conjuring Sadly. if you want to see why. Check out Frank Karsten's article about Collected Conjuring, and you can see why we're skipping it. And we're going to go to El Damry's Call. So this is a reprint. It is from Plane Shift originally, which is a uh, pretty old set. And it is a green and a white for an instant that says, search your library for a creature card, reveal that card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So it is a... Straight up instant speed demonic tutor for creatures. Sleeve it. Sleeve it. Yeah, I gotta agree that it's a sleeve it too. I, I don't have a lot of specificity about it, but it seems like anything that's trying to do creature combo stuff, anything that is trying to get a, a big creature out is just gonna run this card and never look back. My only issue with it is that you have to figure out how you're going to alter your deck because you can't really further dilute the creature count for like Coco decks. So you can't run it in, in Vizier combo kind of like devoted Druid is what you mean. Basically. I, I mean, mean, you can, you, could. you just cut court of calling. Yeah. Isn't this just better than court of calling? Ooh. Well, cord puts it directly into play is the thing. Oh, I'm a dummy. Sorry guys. Thank you. I think there's still a discussion there. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like a balance. I'm a sleever. I mean, this is my kind of card. Like, I have liked toolbox creature combo decks in the past. I think it adds something to them. I'm not sure exactly, you know, how many copies are going to play over something else, but I think it it's powerful. That goat's got interesting faces. All I want to say. 
Yeah, I, I love that they use the old art. It looks on like this, a tauntaun. Because this is I a, can't believe they didn't make a new one. Yeah, I think it's a weird old piece of art, but I think it's cool that they brought it back. All right, so we are going to skip Etchings of the Chosen. It's like probably on average, I believe, minus among us. May see some play, but we're not terribly impressed. None of us are really impressed with Fallen Shinobi. That was four heaves from us. We all thought it was too expensive. I just want to apologize to Joe from our our, uh, Slack chat who was working on a brew with Fallen Shinobi that we were all kind of participating in over the weekend. I think that ultimately the four of us are just kind of not in on the card right now, but good luck with your brewing endeavors. Joe, if you break it open, I mean, congrats. You're really going to do wonders for the podcast if you break <laughs> it open, so more power to you. We do want to chat briefly about the first sliver. It's Wooberg for a 7-7 legendary creature sliver mythic cascade, and sliver spells you cast have cascade. And I'm a heave it, Shane's a heave it, Dave's a heave it. Mm, I'm a believe, believe it. I think it's too expensive. I think it's probably more for like commander yeah. sliver players. Um, I personally think that it, I'm I'm sleeve it with like a, a caveat. The the slivers deck that exist can run a certain number of these five drops. They typically run Overlord or Legion. But if you are so inclined, you definitely could run this and more power to you. So I think that maybe those other cards are quote unquote better, but you can run this and it's totally fine too. Yeah, I mean my gut is just that Cascade is not actually a good ability in this deck. Because you have a lot of two drops and a lot of one drops, and so there's a good chance that when you cast a sliver with uh, Cascade, you won't actually get a card. Yeah, I agree. It seems more like it's made to be an EDH commander, and more power to that, but I do think that you can run it if your heart so deeply desires. So, we're going to skip over a Good Fortune Unicorn that might have some playability and some devotion decks, who knows. We are going to talk quickly about Ice Fang Kotal, which is a 1-1 Snow Creature Snake. For a blue and a green. Flash. Flying. When Ice Fang Kotal enters a battlefield, draw a card. Ice Fang Kotal has Death Touch, as long as you control three or more snow permanents. So this is the modern templated Baleful Strix. Boo. Man. But, okay. Uh, It's so close. People ask me all the time if I'm going to go for Teamer Scred now because of this. And no, I'm not. (laughs) That's not that good. People tell me otherwise, so, hey. I like the card. I'm a, like I'm a I'm a I'm like a believe minus. I like it. I think it's going to be a nice two for one a lot of times. But the snow requirement is brutal for the easy two for one. So man, I just don't know. I mean, you're you you play the snowlands, Zach. Do you think that this has any real way to get the death touch? Um, someone made an interesting comment that it might go into the reclamation control deck because you can tutor it out with teachings. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I. Yeah, I, I'm not 100% positive on that, but I think that I am going to sit down one day soon and seriously consider if it's worth it in Scred. I, right now, I've just scoffed and said no. Who knows? I mean, drawing a card is big, but probably not. And, and the snow thing is pretty big. Like, there's no playable snow dual lands that we've seen, that we've seen yet. And the, there's the creature land, but that doesn't make colored mana. Well, I can tell you that Baleful Strix is often played alongside Coligan's Command, uh, and in in a way that you can yeah. recycle it and use it over and over again to kind of get card advantage. Um, yeah, but it does, doesn't really seem like it fits in like a Simic-y style deck, right? It's more like a controlling strategy. Yeah, the issue is that there's no relevant snow payoffs outside of uh, scrying sheets, which is, doesn't care about snow creatures. And Scred cares about this, but I'm not going to run... Oh God, I don't want to. I don't want to run Teamer Scred. 
I think for me, this feels kind of like snow payoff number three. Like if you were, if there was a blue green snow deck that was looking good, you would want this to be the third best card in your deck. And right now it looks like it's the best card around with this, with this particular payoff. And that makes me worried about its viability. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm going to believe it because I want to believe it, but that's kind of where it ends for me. All right, moving right along through these gold cards, we have Ingenious Infiltrator. We're going to skip over that, even though the the ninjutsu cost is low enough that it's pretty decent. I don't think it's going to get there myself. Yeah, I just want to say that Ninja of Deep Hours sees occasional fringe play in modern and aggressive. That's one color, though. Right, but maybe an aggressive strategy will sometimes struggle to find a source of card advantage, and this could help solve that problem. Yeah, fair enough. Sure. Uh, um, we will talk about Kess, Dissident Mage. One Grixis colors, blue, black, red. Legendary creature, human, wizard. Three, four, flying. During each of your turns, you may cast an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. If a card cast this way would be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. I'm a believer... Because it just seems pretty darn good. Does, like, Grixis Control want this? That seems to be the question we're all asking, right? Is this the Grixis Control card? That was my first thought as well. I mean, it's a little slow. Maybe you bring it up in the Control matchup or something. But it, I feel like, from I want to say Heave, but I feel like that's foolish because this card seems so powerful. Why does it say during each of your turns? What a weird way to template that. I think it's because they want to be clear that you can do it even after you play it on the same turn. Oh, okay. Yeah, this card was pretty good in the Wizards Commander pre-con. I own that deck. I've played this card. It was pretty fun in multiplayer games. I'm a believer because I've seen what it can do when left unchecked, but four mana is a lot, and it doesn't do anything on its own. This is a reprint? It's from a commander set, yep. Yeah, so I think we're I think we're just believers all around, probably. I think we're probably believe minus, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it feels foolish to doubt it, but I don't know where it goes. I'm a minus. So we're gonna skip over Lava Belly Sliver. I think that one's interesting, and maybe you can abuse some ETB effects, but it doesn't pump or do anything right away. But we are going to talk about Lightning Skeletal. Yes. Black, two red, creature, elemental skeleton. Trample, haste. When Lightning Skeletal deals combat damage to a player that player discards two cards at the beginning of the end step sacrifice lightning skeletal it is a six one <laughs> no this card was originally spoiled in russian and even in russian it reads skeletal <laughs> really just like just like phonetically hilarious. it's a total phonetic translation what do you think zach uh i think that there is a deck right now on the very fringes of modern that uses ball lightning and groundbreaker along with coco and I think if you want to put this in that deck, go ahead. It's a little silly, and it's goofy, but I think it's something that you can take to an FNM and have some goofy fun with. I think that's really a big takeaway for mine with what we've seen so far, is there's not a lot of high-impact, high-powered cards, but there are a lot of things that make fringe pet strategies a little better, a little more competitive. Yeah, I'm a believer, too. kind of like it. It's just a big explosive play. I think this card's hilarious. I think it's like a... Uh, believe minus i think people are going to really try to make it work i don't think it really gets there but it's certainly beaten down and causing some discards i think it's a believe it's a believe minus as well i i would love to live in a world where this card was cool but i just i think ball lightning is just so far outside of the zone of what people want to do 
But it causes discard. I know. All right. Munitions expert. Munitions expert. Black and a red for a goblin 1-1 with flash. When munitions expert enters the battlefield, you may have it deal damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the number of goblins you control. I'm like a believer. If it dealt damage to a player, I'd be even more excited. I think it's kind of the thing. You'll see play in some black-red goblins deck. Guys, can goblins handle running black right now, by the way? I've only seen red goblin decks. I mean, you get access to hand disruption, and that's pretty good. So They actually they have a dual land that's a black-red tribal dual land, don't they? Like, like, they sure uh, do. Yeah, it's like, is that like Auntie's Hovel or Ain't something? Or? Is that the one that comes in untapped if you reveal a goblin in your hand? Yeah, like Merfolk with the blue-white one. Yeah, and Elves has that too with um, the green-black one. Green-black one. Uh, I mean, I think this card is pretty cool i feel like it's hard for me to believe that what this deck really needs to have is access to a necrotol in order to like put goblins over the top but i could be wrong about that i guess it kills a planeswalker too so it's a it's a little bit plus yeah i'm kind of a believer i this may be a decent sideboard card maybe it's main deckable if there is a black red goblins deck currently i think eight whack is good enough for goblins but I won't be surprised if this gets there, but I'm not convinced just yet. Yeah, I'm a believer as well. I really like the art on this card. There's a bunch of goofy stuff in the background. There's a shark with a harpoon staple to it, it looks like. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think overall, uh, Goblins has been, you know, sort of not Goblin Tribal, quote-unquote, and more of just all-out red aggro. So it'll be interesting to see if this can bring it back more towards a tribal basis. I do like that it has Flash. You know, end step flash, yeah. destroy a creature, and then on your turn you get to swing for a bunch. That could that could be enough. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna skip a couple of cards here. We're gonna skip nature's chant, which is like, hey, who put their naturalize in my disenchant? Wait, who put their disenchant in my naturalize? And then uh, thundering gin, we're also gonna skip, which is like a fun, cool card for limited, but no, no. And we are gonna talk about the only good two mana planeswalker that there's ever been which is Renin 6, which is a very weird name, but Renin 6 costs one red and one green. It's a planeswalker that enters the battlefield with three loyalty. Uh, The plus one is return up to one target land card from your graveyard to your hand. The minus one is Renin 6 deals one damage to any target, and the minus seven is you get an emblem with instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard have retrace. I don't even know what retrace does. You can discard a land card and then replay it from right. a graveyard. Is it exiled? It is It is not exiled, No, it is not. Actually. Raven's Crime is the premier retrace card in Modern, and I have commanded many a Raven, many a crime. I must leave it. I think this is really cool. A two-mana walker, I think, was something Modern was has been waiting for for a while. I think this has enough relevant abilities to get there. I really like its prospects for the Assault Loam deck I've mentioned a bit today. Yeah, I mean, if I'm opening this card, I'm going to hold on to it and see what happens because I think it has a lot of potential as a really good engine. I agree with that in principle. I think that being able to plus one to get a fetch land back is always kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this is, not to keep like banging this drum, but I feel like this is another card that makes me start looking at Mox Amber again to be like, hey, okay, we got some one mana red legends we've got this one that's pretty good so i i don't know it just feels like there's more and more cards starting to build up around potentially making that card playable dave how often do you just look at your binder full of box opals and just go soon 
one day. Well, yeah, my Mox Opal binder is is very very uh, has been worth the investment. The Mox Amber one is not doing as well as a portfolio. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> That's funny. I think this is maybe the truth. I played a couple games against a friend that had proxy copies for their Jun deck, and being able to get back some utility lands was interesting. I I I think this opens a lot of options, and who knows where it eventually lands, but. We've we talked about planeswalkers are kind of very hard to analyze, and I think two mana is really interesting. This is clearly better than Tibble. We didn't even mention him by name, but this is clearly leagues ahead of that. Yeah, I think it's a sleeve. I think it does enough at a cheap enough cost to see play, like the minus tags, mana dorks, the plus gets back interesting lands or even fetch lands. It might not do enough in the end to like be ubiquitous, but I think it does something. So do you guys consider this as a tool for getting two for ones if all you're doing is plussing back lands from your yard oh is it your drops at least yeah so so we talk a lot about how important being able to two for one with a walker in modern and i just wonder whether it passes that very basic litmus test and whether lands count toward that really depends on the deck i think that if you're in a mid mid ranger control deck where you can turn those lands into a big advantage then i think it, it can be worth it i'm Given that this is two mana, it's it's you know it's not like you would want to play this in an aggro deck. But I'm just saying, like the land doesn't make a difference in an assertive deck quite as much. All right. So the next card we're talking about is called Altar of Dementia. It's our first artifact. Costs two generic mana. Sacrifice a creature. Target player puts a number of cards equal to sacrificed creatures' power from the top of their library into their graveyard. I'm a believer. Free sack outlets want to get broken. I don't think we necessarily have a critical mass of those in modern just yet, and this could be a nice tool in an engine deck or some kind of combo synergy deck. I think it's beyond us not having a a critical mass of these in modern. I believe that there's only... I don't know if there's any other non-creature mana-less sacrifice outlet in modern right now. I could not find one when I was looking and gathered to kind of jog my memory. But the you know the other one that gets played in decks a lot is Viscerasir, mm-hmm. and so I think that this is um, you know if you're playing a deck where you want to get cards into your graveyard that Viscerasir is in, you can use Altered Dementia instead and kind of just add fuel to the fire a bit. And um, I think it could be pretty powerful in the right shell. Yeah, um, I'm gonna sleeve it. I think that um, having like Dave said like. A very hard to remove free sack outlet's very powerful. I think this card's begging to be broken open. I I am very shocked they put this into modern. The thing that surprises me though is that people, in terms of the stuff that I've been reading, people have not really already discovered some kind of super busted combo. I've seen talk of some janky combos, but nothing that seems outrageous. I'm not sure if it's going to impact like quote unquote competitive modern, but I think it has enough play that I'm gonna believe her. Hey, I've got a deck for you for this card. Mm-hmm. It's bridge. It's Bridgevine. <laughs> um, it's Bridgevine again. It, it's always Bridgevine. Dave has been holding up his Bridgevine cards for a year because one day they'll finally matter. One day they'll come back again. So we're going to skip Farmsteed Gleaner. I'm sure someone's uh, Reaper King EDH is happy. Lesser Masticore, I think we're all kind of soft on. If that ends up being something, our apologies. We are going to talk about Mox Tantalite. Tantalizing. Which is... Not particularly. This card... No. Well, this card is the first card to have no converted mana cost today. So, hey. Good point. Artifact. Suspend three for zero mana. 
So, rather than play this card, you exile it with three suspend counters. Each upkeep, you remove one. When you remove the last, you cast it for free. The actual rules text is tap at one mana of any color. So, when uh, when talk of this was happening, there was whispers of a new mox before it got revealed on the stream, and I was losing my mind. I was so excited. I can get on the drop. This is going to be amazing. I am not super happy about this card. The immediate comparison was, why not just play Search for Tomorrow if this is what you're trying yeah. to do? And I guess zero versus one, but I don't know. I, I'm a heave it on this one. I wanted to believe, but I just don't. Yeah, I just don't think it's good enough either. I think it's a heave. There's, there's too much work to like cheat out, and it's too slow otherwise. Like, why not just play like Lotus Bloom? Yeah, I gotta say, Mox Tantalite is somewhat tantalizing a quote-unquote free mana source that you can get in or you can cheat in off an electro dominance or something like that seems a little bit best case scenario or wishful thinking but i don't know moxen are super powerful cards historically i wouldn't rule it out so scrapyard recombiner is next it's moderately interesting i think we all think it might be a little bit too expensive at three but we'll see um and then up after that, we do have Sword of Sinew and Steel. We do have three heaves, um, but stands here say with a believe. I just think that pro red and pro black are very relevant. I think being able to destroy a planeswalker or an artifact is really relevant. I gotta say, I feel like people are just undervaluing this card, and I will not be surprised to see it come out of a ton of sideboards. You know what's funny is that the sword still just gets broke into red-based artifact removal. Yeah. Yes, um, but I suspect that people aren't going to be bringing in artifact removal for the decks that may want to run this. I find that those decks are running a braid right now, and they're going to leave sure. those in. So if, if you're running a deck that you can equip this to unique creatures, and I'm going to leave in a braid against a creature-based yeah, deck. Yeah, that's fine. I will say that this... Hey, can I introduce you guys to my friend Coligan's Command? it's a red black card that gets rid of an artifact i don't know if you guys remember that one but (laughs) i've heard of that card this card is hilariously good against scred for what it's worth i can't kill the creature and it blows up my walker and my mindstone so hey i don't think that needs to be something i worry about too much but it is hilarious how much this dumps on me also, do you think the art, is that supposed to be Colgons, like the tribe? There's dragons and banners. Probably. Mm. And then we have a Sword of Law and Order. I mean, Sword of Truth and Justice. Um, another sword? I just don't think it's there, guys. Yeah, I don't... Is this Sorry, one support? No, go yeah, ahead. I'm less impressed with this as I was with the last one. I think pro-white is decent, but pro-blue just feels like flavor text, and proliferate doesn't seem super impactful for modern. Yeah, I... For what it's worth, I think this one's based out of the Ojitai area. There's Feather Dragons and more banners. So I think these swords are on Tarkir. Or the post-Sarkon Tarkir where the dragons yeah. are still alive. Thanks Thank for you. that, uh, <laughs> Vorthos, Vorthos Zach. So I have the great joy to introduce to you Fiery Islet, a land. Yes. With tap, pay one life, add blue or red. And then the second line of text is one colorless, tap it, sacrifice, fiery, eyelet, draw a card. I My think everybody goodness. who listens to this podcast knows that this is part of a cycle of enemy colored horizon canopy style dual lands. Is there really anything to say about these? 
Man, I mean, I think there's a lot to say about, I mean, not just, I mean, they're good. They're good, right? I mean, these are clearly good lands, great lands. Instant format I think it's staples. Almost, right? Yeah, that's a re- I mean, th- these these are, do you think these are going to be the third best lands behind Fetches and Shocks? I think so. Wow. Um, I mean, when you put it that way. I think it still depends on what you're doing. Like, the fast lands are still pretty good, realistically. But these are, I, fa- I think, I think these are, these are fast these are lands faster. for decks who do don't care do you know what i mean like your lens are fast but my lens are faster yeah my question is are these going to replace the check lands you know the the cards that enter tapped if you control or yeah the the fast lands or the check lands so yeah my my question is do these replace the check lands or do these replace the fast lands because i don't think any deck is going to want to run fetches shocks fast lands check lands and Mm. canopy lands can I introduce you to a deck called Boros Burn? Oh, uh, why not Bridgevine? <laughs> perfectly willing, perfectly willing to run four Sunbaked Canyons and four of the Red White Fastland for sure. Yeah, I think and it really comes down to, fetches. to deck construction. Like it really just depends on what the goal of your deck is. There are plenty of decks that don't want these cards. Honestly, sure, sure. Like if there was a blue white one of these, I don't think blue white blue white control would not want one of these. So if you're in any kind of long long term kind of game plan deck, I mean this is just kind of biting from Paulo's article where he where he premiered these. But I, I agree with what he said that it's not really for a control deck. It's maybe for some mid range decks, and it's good in every sure. decks, and that's kind of where it's at. Maybe a combo deck, but that's really a fast deck, isn't it? Sure. I definitely want some peat land in my you know, like a black green based mid range deck, just one or two, just to cycle through when you're flooding out or something like that. You know, fiery islet is going to be an eighty dollar card. Yeah. Sunbay Canyon's going to you know it'll I think it'll bump up burn a little bit again, and some other decks that need that. Waterlog Grove can go into something like Spirits and you know other decks. I mean, they all are going to see some place somewhere. I do want to mention you probably never want to replace your basic lands with these because basic lands seem to be increasingly important in modern, not only thanks to Path to Exile, but also thanks to Field of Ruin. Blood Moon, baby. Yeah. Likewise, Blood Moon. I, I'll be curious to see what people decide is outmoded thanks to these cards, but obviously they're going to become staples. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about these to have these so ubiquitous in modern it was kind of nice, I think, to have Horizon Canopy sort of sequestered off into not a super powerful modern color combination. But, you know... I, Just in humans, not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, that is a thing. So maybe it kind of evens the playing field a little bit. But, yeah, I think it's their really powerful lands that do a lot, and they're going to do a lot for the format and making things a little bit more consistent across the board. Zach, I think it would be a disservice to us as podcasters and our listeners if anyone talked about the next card but you. For a while, I was a snow-covered boy before I became the warden, so it's only fair. This is Frostwalk Bastion. Snowland. Taps for a colorless. Activated ability. One in a snow mana. Until end of turn, Frostwalk Bastion becomes a 2-3 construct artifact creature. It's still a land. And then I love the reminder text, or the rules text. Snow mana can be paid with one mana from a snow permanent. <laughs> and then the final ability of this card, whenever Frostwalk Bastion deals combat damage to a creature, tap that creature and it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. I am a hard sleeve this for scred. This is really ex- the perfect creature land the deck could have asked for. It comes into play untapped, which is 
really hard to find creature lands that do so. That's that enormous. You can play this and have it block, which is what you're probably going to be doing with it, in all honesty. I don't see this attacking too much. You can, which is great. But this is here to babysit your Planeswalkers. That deck is usually running anywhere from something like six to eight walkers at any time. And the big one is Koth. And Koth ultimates at five, and I have never, ever lost a Scred game where I've ultimated a Koth. And a card that helps me consistently get there and is on plan and easily goes in, no-brainer. So Sleeve, Believe for me, but I know that's a very specific deck. I think it still counts. Sleeve it. Yeah, I think Zach will stop talking to me if I say anything other than sleeve it for this card. Your point that it comes in untapped being massive, I think, is really apt. I also got to say, like, I love playing this in decks that run Anger of the Gods. You know, you board wipe and then you have a creature left. Yeah, this is a super rad land. It's too bad you can't activate this with colorless. Where's my snow-colored wastes? Because I would definitely play this in, like, white, mono-white Eldrazi and stuff like that. You can start running Scrying Sheets. Or you could start running snow-covered planes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just make all of your basics snow-covered. Or scrying sheets, for that matter. That's that's pretty good. Prismatic Vista is in this set, too, and we talked about it last week. We still we all think it's a sleeve it. We think it's a good card. Yeah. If you're still with us, listen to last week. And then, last but not least, we have Flusterstorm, which sits at the end of the set list because it's the buy-a-box promo. Blue mana, instant counter target instant or sorcery speed unless it's controller play, pays one storm when you cast a spell copy it for each spell cast before at this turn you may choose new targets for the copies yeah uh believe it i'm not sure it's actually great in modern probably only in storm or against storm yeah i believe it it's, there's just no other counter spell like it right there's a reason it was so expensive at one point it's very good yeah i hate that this card is here now but it is a good card and we'll see play so i say believe it yeah, I'm just going to sleeve it because I play blue. I think it's going to go into some of my sideboards. Seems great. Seems like an obvious replacement for either Spell Pierce or maybe even Dispel. Time will tell how exactly the sideboards will get arranged around this card, but this is definitely going to see play. Guys, we did it. All right, that's a lot of cards. I'm glad we did the set review because, to be honest, it kind of got me off of buying a box. Although I don't know how I'm going to find my Flusterstorms otherwise. We're going to skip the wind down this week because this is a long one. And we're just going to wrap it up. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episode as soon as it comes out. And if you use iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. If you'd like to submit a question to the podcast for future episodes once we start doing wind downs again because we're not spending two hours talking about singles... You can tweet us at the dive down, all one word, or email the dive down at gmail.com. Also, if you see us on Reddit, feel free to send us a message there as well. If you'd like to support our show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down and sign up to get access to our super secret Slack channel and other exclusive perks. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and evaluate. New cars. 
Hey, can we talk about Zach? What did you whisper? What did you whisper in the last episode when you when you were kind of like such and such is my favorite blank? Album? Oh, I make a. I'd have to go back and listen. I every time there's something that sounds like it could be a band like album name mm-hmm. or song name, I try to say it's my favorite whatever. Yeah, I it think you said so it was like good. Smashing Pumpkins or. Oh, I, I think that my pen is my favorite Smashing Pumpkins song. Like yeah, or Joy Division or whatever along those lines. It was great. Every time I hear it, I'm like, I forgot that that goof is in there. And I'm like, I don't think anyone else is hearing this, but (laughs) (laughs) 